Karlsson, Karlsson, världens bästa Karlsson Karlsson, Karlsson, hoj här kommer Karlsson Karlsson, Karlsson, ingen faktiskt, ingen annan Karlsson Skulle jag så bra som mig Karlsson, Karlsson, Karlsson scores Karlsson, Something we've been doing forever. It's our millionth annual Schmorgolies board episode. Elon, it's funny that you mentioned we that we are making goalies more valuable in the cupful because the way I see it, we've just made them less harmful in the cupful. I'm not. Of course, the value goes up as a result. By the way, speaking of the cupful, uh, we have eight tier seven divisions. Full. That's all new people coming in. Thank you all for joining us. We're so excited for you to be here with us for our seventh season of the Cupful. We have 28 divisions overall. And as of this moment, 392 of the best and coolest fantasy managers in the world ready to uh, start their engines and get this party started for Cupful Season 7. That number's going up Almost as we speak. So we're so excited to get things started. Elon and I, it's like Christmas Eve. We're about to do a whole bunch of things that pretty much kick off the cupful season this week. Our drafts start on September 20th. They're all slow drafts. It's amazing. If you want more info, kickupful.com, kkupfl.com. Yeah, for those of you listening for the first time, we're talking about the Keeping Carlson Ultimate Patron Fantasy League, and the registration deadline is. Like today, if you're listening to this on Monday, today's the deadline, October 13th. Maybe if you listen to it on Tuesday and you get in on Tuesday, we might be able to squeeze you in. But if you want to play in our league, you got to go register ASAP. It's not too late, depending on when you're listening to the show. So again, uh, kakupful.com, it's linked in the show notes, and you'll get all the info. Uh, So before we get into goalies, I'll also mention quickly that Keeping Carlson is proudly presented by DauberHockey.com. They've got articles about goalies all the time and all the other positions. It's a really great fantasy hockey website. And of course, Dauber's released his annual guide, which you're going to want to download and it has projections for all the players and it updates all throughout the preseason. That's another annual tradition is getting that Dauber guide. I always love when that comes out. So check it out at DauberHockey.com. But okay, Brian, so let's uh, run through what the plan is for today. What is this exercise that we're engaging in? So we are not just going to give you a straight ranking of every goalie in the league from like one to, how many do we have? We have 72 goalies right now, or no, like 65 goalies that we have slated to discuss today. We're not just going to rank them. What we're going to do is break them into tiers where basically what we mean by a tier of goalies is is we're saying all the goalies in this tier we see as pretty much the same. Like, obviously, there's, like, little differences. And when you're in your draft, you have to decide who to take. But the strategy that I like to use when doing a snake draft is, let's say uh, it's my pick, and I see that uh, there's, like, five goalies all in the same tier that are available. And I don't know who I necessarily want from them. I know there's five of them. I know necessarily I don't even need to pick a goalie this round, because I could wait, take maybe a defenseman when there's maybe only one or two really good defensemen left, and probably one of those five goalies will still be available for my next pick. So it's just a good way of strategizing 
also you could sort of go into your draft strategy and okay I'm going to try to get like a tier three goalie and then a tier six goalie so it just really helps to categorize and organize these people so of course that said we always get it wrong because goalies are impossible to predict but we're going to do our best so we've broken down the goalies into looks like 12 tiers of different goalies and we'll explain what we mean by each tier as we go and that is the plan so before we start actually talking about goalies of course Brian why don't you explain to the listeners what makes us decide which tier to put a goalie in like what are the criteria that separates a great goalie in fantasy versus a bad goalie in fantasy and obviously you can't just say last year's stats because who knows obviously there's a few things that go into this thinking when we're trying to project for next year there are a lot of factors to think about when you're weighing which goalie you want on your fantasy team and this is a big important deal right especially if you're in a categories league where things aren't so balanced and let's say goalie categories are 30 or 40 percent of the total categories this is something you don't want to get wrong so what I try and do the the best I can to to get it as right as possible is I, I look at a number of factors. The first factor I look at is team quality, right? How many wins am I likely to get from my goalie? But more importantly, uh, or as importantly, how good is their team defense? Are they a team known for being really stingy with chances and doing their goalie a lot of favors? Or are they a team that either doesn't have the defensive personnel to play well or plays this fast and loose and dangerous game and relies on their goalie to save them and hangs them out to dry all the time? So that's one factor. For example, last year, the best defensive team in the league, according to expected goals against rates, was, drum roll, the Colorado Avalanche. And it wasn't even that close. Even they were nicely ahead of both Dallas and Boston, who rounded out the top three. And the poorest defensive team in the NHL last season, the one that gave up the most expected goals against per 60 minutes, according to Natural Statric, was the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, and the bottom three were rounded out by Chicago and LA. So where a goalie plays uh, and the team they're playing behind is a big deal and goes just beyond wins. Because even if your goalie's winning uh, 5-4, sure, you get the win, but you might have some other stats getting blown up. Yeah, and I guess there's two sides to that coin, right? Because on one hand, obviously, you want to be uh, having a goalie that's on a good NHL team that's good defensively, but maybe not like too good defensively, because sometimes you have a goalie on Carolina, like last year with Morazic or someone, if they only let in 20 shots, and he lets in two goals, all of a sudden, that's not a great save percentage because the team was like so good at suppressing shots so i guess you need that sweet spot where they're not hanging their goalie out to dry where they're going to let in like five goals but you want to have like enough shots coming like a shist yorkin comes to mind like new york's on like so amazing defensively and just yorkin's a really good goalie so he's like a good bet because you you know those nights where your goalie gives you like 40 saves those could be weak winning nights so yeah it's a little tricky but obviously yeah in general you want to have a good team <laughs> over a bad team if you can also just for the wins it's a really good point. It would be really nice. I, I like it when my goalie faces 25 to 30 shots a night at least. So yeah, when there is a mistake or a lot of power play opportunities that they have to play against uh, like for the other team, then uh, one or two goals can be reasonably excused uh, once you have enough volume. So so yeah, that's a really good point, Elon, that volume goes along with team quality. Another big piece is pretty obvious, and it's just, is this goalie the starter? Like, what kind of work share do we expect this goalie to see in their crease? Is it an Islander situation where you can pretty much set your watch to Varlamov and Sorokin, at least we think this year, a little spoiler of what's to come, 41 games each, 
Or is it a situation where, hey, there is no backup who's capable of playing? I'm looking at uh, maybe Nashville with UC Saros and David Riddick, where David Riddick is, of course, capable of playing, but we don't really see him mounting any kind of challenge to UC Saros. So workload and quality and whether uh, someone, the, the quality of the backup, the challengers in the same crease fighting for time is another thing that we're trying to figure out because we want a goalie who's going to be able to play a lot of games and not spend a lot of nights on the bench doing nothing for our team. And then, of course, uh, (laughs) those are both contextual things, the team and the intra-crease competition. But of course, we want to try and figure out, hey, is this goalie any good, actually? And man, if you can solve that, if you're listening to this podcast and you've figured out a way to do it, You can tell us, please, but you could probably tell any NHL team and they will pay you a handsome, handsome sum because uh, goaltending is and projecting goaltending is not something uh, with all the data we've had and all the experiments that have been run recently. uh, We don't really know. We don't know what's going on with goalies. We're still trying to figure out exactly how you predict and project goalies, even goalies' own results, even when they stay with the same team and the team in front of them stays the same, aren't necessarily repeatable year after year. So I can only do the best that I can with the data that, that, that we have and the knowledge that we have about how to predict goalies. And basically, I'm just saying, okay, did this goalie put in quality performances? And to do that, I'm going to look at a few things. I'm going to look first off at all their numbers at five on five, because that's the game state that a goalie plays the most often in uh, versus how a goalie does on the penalty kill that fluctuates wildly from year to year because your penalty kill minutes are such a small sample and uh, anything can happen in a small sample, right? The bigger the sample is, the more reliable things are from year to year. Uh, there's been a lot shown in, in how fluid and volatile that shorthanded saber percentage can be for a goalie. So it's not something I ever put stock in, whether it's really high or really low. I focus on their five on five numbers. And the five on five numbers that I like to focus on are their five on five save percentage, which is exactly what it sounds like. What's their save percentage like just at five on five, take out all the other situations. Uh, Again, you know, you might be saying, well, what about four on four, three on three? Those are rare game states relative to how often goalies play at five on five. And then the other, uh, the other stat that I use to evaluate goalie performance is something called Delta Fenwick save percentage. And if you're wondering what Fenwick save percentage is, it's a goalie's save percentage on all shots they face, including ones that miss the net, because it gives the goalie credit for, you know, picking the right angle and forcing a shooter to miss. And so uh, I use evolving hockey for this. Uh, they have their expected Fenwick save percentage based on uh, the danger and the quality of the shots that a goalie faces. And they have their actual Fenwick save percentage and Delta Fenwick save percentage takes the difference between that expected number, which is what we should be able to expect an NHL goalie to put up. That's the number versus their actual Fenwick save percentage and seeing, okay, what's the difference? So if it's positive, it's if it's above zero, that means a goalie outperformed uh, what you would expect an average NHL goalie to do given the same workload of shots and unblocked shot attempts. 
So that is one way to sort of level the playing field amongst all goalies and try and control for the quality of shots they face and and to take away the argument uh, about saying, well, this goalie, you know, the goalie playing for Colorado has it so easy. Uh, his workload is so simple compared to the goalie playing for Chicago. And so Delta Fenwick's save percentage helps control for the quality and says, okay, well, let's compare this goalie to the average goalie's expected performance in Colorado and Chicago and see how it plays out. So those those are all the ways that I evaluate goalie performance and still get it wrong year after year. So, Elon, with that said, I'm ready to get into our tiers. Are you? Yeah, I think so. I'll just make a couple quick comments on what you said. Like, as far as, like, yeah, the reason why we still kind of get it wrong sometimes, obviously, like, the Delta Fenwick save percentage is a really great model that Evolving Hockey has made, but obviously it's not perfect. And I'd imagine some shots are harder to face just because of, like, I don't know, if you're on Buffalo and your team is just getting, like, caved in night after night, maybe that puts a mental toll on you. Like, there's so much that goes into hockey, right? It's a very complicated game that we're trying to, you know, glean these, like, numbers out of. Uh, I'll also throw one extra category or, I guess, factor that I've been considering when thinking of goalies lately. Now, you might scoff at me. This is definitely not scientific compared to all the things you've been looking at but i've i don't even have a name for this yet but i'm kind of thinking of it in terms of like abilities like go on a run and win me weeks like i've just noticed that recently there's some goalies that like you've seen them multiple times that kind of get hot and just like all of a sudden you're like winning because you have this goalie something like uc sorrows last year just like exploded and he was awesome and and, you know compare that to someone like uh i don't know like a good goalie like uh i don't know carrie price it's been a really long time since he's sort of like even when he's like playing well he's not like just having these like game after game of just like really making me feel like man i'm so happy to have this goal so i don't know that's a little bit of an intangible thing that maybe i'll sprinkle in as we go but brian i'm ready to go now unless you're not ready (laughs) well i'll throw in one other kind of intangible uh that still is really valuable especially in fantasy because a lot of the times when we're trying to decide whether to start a goalie or not the bottom line is sometimes how dangerous is the, is this guy to my rate stats? Uh, how badly can he blow me up? And one way to try and work that out is by looking into goalies quality start percentage, which, uh, says how many times a goalie puts up a save percentage that is league average or better. Or, uh, if, if they only give up two goals, there's some forgiveness there too for giving them a quality start and they pick up the win. But for example, you look at the leaders in quality start percentage amongst regular starters last year. You had Mark Andre Fleury with 26 quality starts in 36 opportunities, which was 72% quality start percentage. Semyon Varlamov, uh, was the only one higher with a 743 quality start percentage. Of course, Ilya Sorokin on the other side of Mark Andre Fleury. So we know the Islanders do good things for their goalies, but other quality start percentage stars last year were Philip Grubauer, Tuka Rask, Jonathan Bernier, Chris Drieger, Alex Nedeljkovic, uh, and Igor Shostorkin. And then, of course, there were several duds too, like Miko Koskinen and James Reimer, Aiden Hill, Ville Husso. These guys were likely to blow you up if you dared start them. And actually, way, way, way at the bottom, you've got guys like Freddie Anderson and Carter Hart, which just speaks to uh, to how difficult an errand it is to project goalies. But here we are, Elon. I am ready to do my best. Yeah, let's do it. And also, like someone like Carter Hart, who we'll get to soon, Like he had a rough time last year, and it was a weird season last year. So we're also going to maybe be a little more forgiving of a goalie like Hart who had to just play all the time because Philly didn't have another option and couldn't give the guy a rest. But okay, let's finally get this started. Okay, by the way, Kevin suggested that for my like ability to get hot thing, flammability, the, fa- the flammability score is uh, this like thing that I come up with in my head. So I'll try to bring that up at some point. Thanks, Kevin. All right. So uh, we've talked for like 15 minutes, and we haven't actually gone into analyzing any goalies. So I guess 
we might as well get started with tier one, the most obvious goalie tier, because we only have one goalie in this tier. There's one goalie that to us stands out above all the rest. It is, of course, Andre Vasilevsky. He has it all, right? Great team. They've just won two cups. He had 31 wins last year in 42 games. So it's like over 75% of the time, this guy's like winning you a game when you start him. 925 save percentage last year. He played 42 out of 56 games for Tampa. I know a lot of people might remember that last weekend of the fantasy playoffs where he Tampa played Saturday, Sunday, and he didn't play. So that was a bit of a bummer. But aside from that, leading up to there, he was playing all the freaking time. And I don't see that changing. Now the backup is Brian Elliott instead of Curtis McElhenney. So it's not as if uh, it's that big of a difference where they're going to be able to go like, closer to 50-50. So Vasilevsky, the best goalie you can get. To me, it's not even close, not even a conversation. If you if you want to reach for a goalie in fantasy in the first round, he's the one you go for. He's the only one I think you can justify going for in the first round. Andre Vasilevsky is the no doubt starter this year. He's in a league of his own and we had him in a league of his own last year too. So we'll pat ourselves on the back just a little bit for doing that. But as you mentioned, Elon, he's on a great team. He seems to be in the prime of his career. Uh, He's putting up performances, not just that we haven't seen from him before, but that we haven't seen from NHL goalies very often at all over the last decade or even two. He has been handily uh, in amongst the league leaders in Delta Fenwick save percentage the last couple seasons and also five on five save percentage, especially last year. Uh, a few years ago, I had decided that Andre Vasilevsky may just be average based on what his numbers had been over the course of the years, but he has uh, absolutely blown the top off uh, anything that was trying to contain him into any kind of average box. Andre Vasilevsky is the tier one goalie who is peerless in the NHL so far as we're concerned. And yeah, if you need a goalie in your league, he is somebody worth grabbing in your draft early with the usual caveats that goalies are more volatile than skaters. But if you're ready to go big on one goalie, then Andre Vasilevsky should be the one. He's been going really early in our cupful mock drafts. Elon is going uh, eighth on average overall. Yeah, and I used to be the type to say don't even take a goalie in the first round because you never know, but I think he's the one exception where now like I would be comfortable taking Vasilevsky, especially if the format of my league like really favorite goals, like you were saying in the intro, like if there's like a lot of categories, then might as well just go with Vasilevsky and win all your goalie categories as often as you can. All right, so tier two, this is a tier, uh, we have two goalies in here, which is basically, you're not Vasilevsky, so you can't be in tier one, but basically goalies have just been either like really good for a while, just on a great team, like you're like comfortable with this goalie. So it's kind of like two different situations. And so we're talking about Connor Hellebuck and Robin Leonard. That's who we decided to put in our tier two for next year. Hellebuck's like maybe not even on the most amazing team, but he, you know, he won the Vesna a couple years ago. Last year, like overall, it wasn't even like that amazing in terms of his raw save percentage, like a 916 save percentage. But again, weird COVID season. He had to play probably more frequently than you would have to. So I'm going to give him a little bit of a break there because he's clearly shown that he's like an awesome goal. He's going to get a lot of volume. He like himself helps Winnipeg win games. So that's why I like him in tier two. And then Robin Leonard, he actually also didn't have... This is kind of interesting, right? In our tier two, we have two goalies who didn't have the most amazing seasons last year. Leonard only a 913 save percentage. But with Marc-Andre Fleury out of the picture, we've seen how good Leonard can be. And now he's the for sure number one goalie on Vegas. I bet a lot of people listening might not even be able to guess who the number two goalie on Vegas is. Uh, so it's Laurent Brossois, who is definitely someone who used to back up Connor Hellebuck. And so we saw how many games Hellebuck got. So you'd think that Leonard is going to get a similar workload. And I just think these are two goalies that you can just like draft and 
set your watch to and be like, these are really good goalies on good teams and they're going to win games. They're going to get a lot of saves. What more do you want? Well, I'd like, I, I'll tell you what I want from them this year is that for Hellebuck and Liner to really remove all doubt from our minds that they could falter, which is hard for any goalie to do. Vasilevsky is the only one who's done it in our minds at the moment. But Hellebuck and Leonard both have these this recent history of elite seasons and elite performances just checkered or sprinkled in with moments of uncertainty. Hellebuck now, for, for to, to his credit, two of his last three seasons have been off the charts really good. And he's someone, like Elon, you mentioned, his numbers aren't that great. If you use Delta Fenwick's A percentage to control for the difficulty of his workload night in, night out, he was the only reason Winnipeg got anywhere this year. He was hung out to dry night after night and saving their bacon just as he did in 2019-20 also. So Connor Hellebuck now with two consecutive seasons of world-beating play, that's something I can really sink my teeth into, especially because it's not the first time or the second time we've seen it from him he had had a really fantastic season a few years ago but that was followed up by an uninspired campaign so now that he's done it twice in a row he's getting older he's getting more experienced i want to believe that Connor Hellebuck is not going to let us down again now that we're putting our faith in him. And I feel the same about Robin Lehner. I love that he's playing for Vegas, a team who we know will do good things to protect him. He's someone who succeeded in uh, very protective environments, like uh, in Long Island when he was splitting starts there, and in very unprotected environments when he was splitting starts with Corey Crawford. My only concern with Lehner in Vegas is we haven't seen him take on his starter's workload since back in 2016-17. The counterpoint to that is when he started 58 games that season for Buffalo, he put up a 920 save percentage. So I am hopeful that Robin Leiner can get back to that previous height as a starter you could rely on uh, most nights to do good things for your fantasy team. So that's what I see with uh, Lehner and Hellebuck, two goalies who have given us every reason to believe that they're amongst the, the world's best goalies, but we're just looking for a little more consistency and to, to feel confident that we're not about to be let down, which is why, again, they're a step below Andre Vasilevsky. Yeah, I guess Vegas also is hoping that Lehner can handle the starter's workload. I still don't 100% agree with their decision to trade Flurry for nothing to free up that seven million to then get Dadanov and whoever it was, Matias Yanmark, whatever I think that covers the seven million. Well and resign Alec Martinez. Well, that one I agree with, but they didn't. Need, they could have still re-signed him. Anyway, whatever. We don't need to debate that. We hope that Leonard's up to the task. We have him in Tier 2. He's been going as, like, the second or third goalie in all of our mock drafts. I guess always the third goalie. It's basically always been Vasilevsky, then Hellebuck, then Leonard. So I think it makes sense. Uh, let's go to our next tier of goalies now. So we're still obviously in, like, really great goalies. You'd be happy to have any of these guys as the number one goalie in your league. Here's a tier. Brian, we actually, I think, debated a little bit about whether we should make this a bigger tier or leave it as a smaller tier. But for now, uh, we're leaving it as a smaller tier. By the way, if you don't need to be like at home scrambling and taking notes. If you go to keepingcarlson.com slash goalies after you're done listening to this show, maybe don't go right away because you'll spoil it. But uh, we'll have all the goalie tiers all laid out for you nicely. But okay, uh, tier three, we've got three guys here. Uh, number one, Igor Shostjorkin. Okay, this guy has had such an amazing career overseas in the KHL. He came to the NHL, had that amazing end to 2019-20. Uh, then last season, he came in as the starter, and people were excited about him. And I know it wasn't like the best start to the year, but Shostjorkin really got hot 
And by the end of the season, he was having really great starts, like game in, game out. Actually, he even had a 922 save percentage in the first nine games. I don't know, maybe that's just a memory of mine. He actually maybe slowed down a little bit at the end of the year. But again, last year was weird. He had to play more often than usual. I think in a normal season, Shostakovich's really going to shine. The Rangers also are a team on the ups. Like, I don't know, they did some questionable things in the offseason, of course. Uh, going for toughness. I don't know, we'll, we'll have to see how that helps out with Shostakovich. But e- either way, they still have Lafreniere and Kako and all these guys who should ho- hopefully only get better. And so he's going to be... Uh, you know, probably a volume goalie. We've seen he's so talented. He's on a good team. So how can you not like Igor Shostyorkin? So Brian, do you want me to uh, move on and discuss the other two guys? Or do you want to just go one by one here? I guess I'll just comment quickly on Shostyorkin, which is he's someone who doesn't have the biggest track record. But like you just said, Elon, in our minds, he's like this super goalie, right? Based on, remember all those stats when he came out of Russia, all the shutouts he was accruing and all the wins and just how he's been so dominant in every, at every level. And then he came in in his first NHL appearances, uh, went 10 and 2 with a 932 save percentage as a 24 year old. In his first play in North America, quality starts 75% of the time, and he followed that up with a pretty good performance in 35 games last season, too, with a 916. So uh, even though Shostyorkin isn't somebody who has the longest track record, usually I demand some kind of track record from a goalie, but Shostyorkin is kind of on the fast track in our Schmore Goalies Board tiering system just because of how decorated his career history is and how quickly he did show he was up to the challenge in the NHL. Yeah, so Shostorka and I definitely don't have doubts about he'd be a great guy to get, especially if he falls like to the bottom of Tier 3. Maybe some other goalies go ahead, like maybe a Marc-Andre Fleury, who we'll get to in a little bit, might go ahead just because he had that great year last year. So if Shostorka falls, you might get really good value there. So okay, continuing with our Tier 3 goalies, we have two more. Here's a guy who, again, didn't have the best season last year in Arizona and had some injuries. Darcy Kemper, I'm talking about. But before that, he had three years in Arizona where he was just lights out amazing, winning people weeks in fantasy. He had the flammability factor that I'm talking about, where we've seen him get hot and And of course, now he's no longer on Arizona. He goes to Colorado, a team that had probably one of the most valuable goals in fantasy last year, Philip Grubauer. And obviously Grubauer is a good goalie and we'll talk about him later on. But like, I think a lot of that also just goes to being on this amazing team. Colorado has great defense, like, you know, but also great scoring. So you have a great chance of winning. So it's just, you could really imagine Darcy Kemper. Like, I'm so excited to see what he can do now as the starting goalie on Colorado. There is Pavel Francouz in the picture. And, you know, we've heard that he's good. He had a good rookie season. He's already like uh, over 30 and he's missed a year with injury so I'm not ready to like just assume that Francois is going to come in and like steal the job but you know something to keep in mind which is why again we're in tier three here but Kemper a uh, great situation in Colorado and you know people haven't taken him high in the slow drafts as well you know the, here's one thing actually I like about Darcy Kemper he's like an inspirational story right Brian because when we started keeping Carlson I remember way back this is like 2013 or 2014 and you were talking about him on Minnesota as like this like really good goalie and you were like excited but hey guys pay attention to this Darcy Kemper guy I think he has something and then you talked him up a bit and then he went into like this like tailspin for a couple seasons where he was just so bad like i remember you were so mad at him i think like at one point you like pinned one of your seasons on him like i, I don't remember exactly what it was but you traded for him or like it was a really critical ad he totally let you down he stunk the next year then we had this like narrative for a while of like darcy camper's garbage then all of a sudden he goes to la and then to arizona and becomes a superstar again that's an inspirational story. You know, to all the people who played in the Keeping Carlson Ultimate Patron Fantasy League last year and came in like 13th or 14th in your league, and then you still signed up this year, 
I just want you to know, I see you, and I respect you, and I think you may just have that Darcy Camper upside. Just because you had a bad year doesn't mean next year. I, I really like someone. It's easy to like keep playing, you know, when you're doing great. But Darcy Camper and these patrons are people who you know had a rough time and are ready to come back and prove the doubters wrong. So how can you not like Darcy Camper? And I like him for next year. So that, maybe that was a long wind to say that's why he's in tier three. <laughs> yeah, he's in tier three. That's great. We don't judge a goalie by how far they fall. We judge them by how high they bounce back after hitting rock bottom, which actually sounds gruesome when we're talking about people. Uh, but I think we'll just, uh, we'll just carry on without any, no- any needed analogy to say that Darcy Kemper seems like a really great option in Colorado. I like that for the team. I like that for the goalie. There were a couple years where I thought Darcy Kemper was just benefiting even after, yeah, having lost all my faith in Kemper that I thought he was benefiting from the team in front of him in Arizona, which yes, Believe it or not, there was a time where that was possible based on the defensive style they played. Uh, but I think Darcy Kemper resolved all of those concerns up until last year when he had a really weak season. We know, though, it was hampered by injury and things in Arizona were just kind of messy on the whole. That was uh, easily his worst NHL season since becoming a legit starter. The years before that, 928, 925 save percentages. Uh, and then 920 the year before. So Darcy Kemper has been good enough for long enough. I'd say my one concern and my one hesitation of having him in this tier is uh, we talked when Francis and Grubauer were the tandem in Colorado that Grubauer was vulnerable to Francis taking over the job. And I think that Grubauer might be better or at least as good as Darcy Kemper. So I think that makes Darcy Kemper still somewhat vulnerable to losing a bunch of starts. But what should help protect him is the team in front of him. So if he just does a pretty decent job in the starts he gets uh, as the incumbent, hopefully he'll still continue getting a bunch of the starts. But he's more vulnerable than Igor Shostyorkin and the other goalie in Tier 3 UC Saros. Yeah, Saros definitely. Like, who's the backup there? I think you mentioned it before. David Riddick? David Riddick. That Nashville is really going all in on Saros. And hey, why not after last year, right? Like, he was injured for a bit, didn't have the best start. But, like, when he came back from his injury, he was on fire. He, again, flammability factor off, out of the room. I, I would always call this a Saros factor. They said, like, I added him out of free agency, and he was just giving me, like, 15 fantasy points, 14 fantasy points, like, game in, game out. This guy was, like, a rock star for me. At, at the end of the season, 927 save percentage. And, yeah, any concerns we may have had going into previous seasons about, well, maybe, like, Pecorine might, you know, get a decent number of starts. Like, no, Saros is going to be a big volume guy. He's shown that he could be a really good goalie. So, yeah, obviously there's some risk here. He's not Andre Vasilevsky yet, but uh, this is a goalie that you've got to be excited about in fantasy this year, and I hope he doesn't let us down. I think a lot of people are going to be reaching for him here, and I can't say I would you know, fault them for it. No, I wouldn't fault anyone for being excited by the season UC Saros put up last season. Uh, it was fantastic. He led all goalies in 5-on-5 save percentage and in Delta Fenwick save percentage. So look at that. Uh, those are two of the ways that I like to evaluate goalies. And UC Saros beat the entire NHL in both of them. My only concern here, and of course, I've got to share the other side of the coin, right, is that it was a, you know, 2025 game stretch that put him there. And we have a track record for UC Saros that goes back several years. And he looks decent, right? He looks like at least an average goalie, which to me is good. Like that's, that's saying a lot about a goalie that I can count on them to at least be average. Uh, the year before last and two years before last, Yuzu Saros was not nearly as dominant in the performances that we saw from him. 
But it's it's reasonable to think, hey, he's still young. He's just 26 now. Maybe he got better. Maybe he's happy to be taking on more responsibility, which is definitely going to be the case this year versus the last few where it's been like, how are they going to split between Pecorine and UC Saros? So I see a lot of reasons to think that UC Saros could still be really great. But even if he isn't, I still think he should be able to give you at least an average season, which is saying something because I don't know, Elon, I feel like I could count on two hands, maybe one, the goalies who who I trust to at least give me an average season. So UC Saros is one of those with massive upside because of the promise we saw last season. And we've seen flashes of that all through his young career in the NHL. They just haven't always lasted. So let's see if this one does. Yeah, it's actually the second year in a row where Saros like wasn't so amazing at the start and then was like insane at the end. 2019-20 also, he had this run at the end of the year. He had like three shutouts in his last five games. I'm looking at the game log now. It was like his last 10 games of 2019-20 were also just off the charts. So yeah, if anything, if you do, or maybe the, the move is don't draft Saros. Let someone else draft Saros. He'll have a weak start to the season, then buy low on him, get a trade for him because he's shown us now two years in a row that he heats up like crazy once he gets rolling. So uh, something to consider. All right, so that's tier three Shesterkin and Campersaros let's go to tier four we've still got a bunch of starting goalies with high upside and I guess we're just for each one of them have a little bit more concerns than we have about uh Shistork and Kemper and Saros also of course Brian and I made some compromises as we went so you could let us know Brian as we go if there's someone that you think maybe should be higher but uh so yeah in no particular order as these tiers go uh maybe I'll just name them all then we can talk about them so we've got Demko in Vancouver of course Jacob Markstrom Marc-Andre Fleury our reigning Vesna winner Carey Price, who was once at the top of Schmorgoli's board for like years and years in a row and now has fallen to Tier 4, and Carter Hart, who may be a controversial pick, and we'll explain why we have him here. So, starting at the top, uh, but I'll, I'll do a couple. Let's do a couple at a time. So, that's your Demko. This is one that I guess I've taken some heat for. I've been, I actually posted my, like, off the top of my head, Schmorgoli's board tiers on Twitter, like, a week ago. Someone just asked, like, what are you guys, when are you guys doing Schmorgoli's board? And I decided, ah, here's what I'm thinking right now. And I actually had Demko even higher. He's someone who I'm pretty excited about for this year. And it's a gut feeling sometimes. Again, it's the flammability. Like, last year, I just remember runs where he just was, like, game in, game out doing so well. Uh, he, he didn't start great. But again, it was a weird season. And, like, Holpe was there. And so maybe he wasn't able to get on as much of a role. Uh, Vancouver is a team that they're going to play him a lot, I think. Like, Yaroslav Halak is the backup and Halak is not the guy he used to be so I think there's like Saros upside in terms of just like he's the guy he's gonna play a ton he I think has the ability to go on lots of runs and also but again this is something I think Brian disagrees with me about but I think Vancouver is gonna be better next year I think they've made some improvements they got Connor Garland and OEL basically for free in terms of actual player quality like obviously they had to take on bad contracts and there's a whole money side of it but in terms of just like improving the team they get these two guys and I know Oliver Ekman Larson isn't the defenseman he used to be and he's definitely not worth the whatever nine million that he's getting paid but he's still like a very serviceable if not like above average defenseman in the league in my opinion I don't know and then Gar- I don't know so I think Vancouver is gonna be good also don't forget Pedersen was like injured last year like it was just Vancouver had out covid outbreak like it was terrible like i don't know so that's why i like throw out a lot of the stuff about how bad vancouver was last year and i'm really excited to see them bounce back a little bit like i'm not saying they're like a conference finals team like they were like a couple years ago when they had that really good run but i think that they're better than people think so that's why i like demko here and then markstrom is the guy who temko used to be in a tandem with he goes to calgary uh last year was a bit of a bumpy year he started really great then he was weak at the end he got hot again you know after that but overall not a great season 904 save percentage but he's got a long track record he's the sure starter the backup on calgary some teams this year i don't get it brian just like decided we're not going to have a backup we can rely on like the backup on calgary this year is right now dan vladar a guy who played 
uh, five games last year with Boston and had an 886 save percentage. So anyway, we'll see. Marshall's going to play a lot. And again, a lot of these rankings just come down to, I want a goalie that I could rely on to at least play. And we've seen that he can be good. So that's why I think Demko and Saros both belong in tier four. There's reasons that we've also explained why we don't have them higher. Okay. Yeah. So I'll, well, the reason that you don't have Demko higher in these tiers is because I stopped you from putting him higher in these tiers. Uh, Demko in tier four is our compromise. I'd actually have him in the next tier, uh, paired with someone like Mike Smith, even though I think his upside is better than Mike Smith. I think he's likelier to do better than Mike Smith, but Thatcher Demko in tier four is just a little rich for me because Elon, I, yeah, we disagree on the quality of team that Vancouver is. I definitely like the addition of Connor Garland. And yeah, bringing in OEL on the back end might help, but they lost, well, Alex Edler, it was like the, a shell of Alex Edler they lost, and they lost Nate Schmidt. And that's pretty big. Uh, and that leaves them on defense. You know, their, their core is Hughes, Myers, Ekman Larson, Travis Hamanick, Oli Uolevi, and Tucker Pullman is the depth chart that I'm looking at right now. And it doesn't inspire a whole lot of confidence, especially when you also look at their bottom six and think, uh, what's going to happen when those bottom six, like those two bottom lines, lines three and four are on the ice for, you know, not half the game, but a chunk of the game. They're going to have to survive. Although the Canucks did add Jason Dickinson to help sort of helm that third line and make it steadier. So look, I hope it works, but I'm just really concerned. And while you say uh, that Demko has high flammability, I see this as a positive and a negative. Like things could just, he could get like flaming hot or he could go up in flames. Uh, He had a really great (laughs) season last year because of, uh, I mean, especially considering all the challenges that were going around that team with COVID. Uh, he had a really super hot run, but it was also the first time in his admittedly short career where he's performed uh, above his expected Fenwick save percentage. So for me, that's something that just doesn't scream sure thing, tier four. I want to make a big bet on him. I, like, I think he's a, a fun bet to make, but I don't think he's a very safe bet to make. Uh, I, I well, Brian, here, let me ask you this. Do you think our patrons are smart? <laughs> I think our patrons are brilliant. <laughs> well, looking at the mock ADPs, so we've been doing a bunch of mock drafts, and uh, the amazing Kevin Bear, who was on the last episode, again, great job, Kevin. Uh, so he's been compiling the stats, and I'm looking at the top goalies in terms of their ADP average draft position, Vasilevsky, Hellebuck, Leonard, Saros, Shostjorkin, Kemper, then Thatcher Demko right there as the next goalie, just like on our list. So I'm just, Brian, I'm just agreeing with the patrons. If you want to be all counter and say that they're dumb, that's okay. But I think that Demko's pretty uh, locked in. I think like tier four isn't the biggest swing. I'm not saying tier three, but I think tier four seems fair. But let's talk about some of the other goalies and then we could like maybe compare them. You, so I guess you're saying you think Markstrom is a better bet than Demko, even though last year Markstrom had a much worse save percentage. Well, yeah, exactly. Last year, things looked a lot worse for Markstrom, and Calgary looked lost a lot of the season. But the two years prior, Markstrom had very, very solid numbers, enough to convince a lot of people that he's the goalie Vancouver should have held on to a little longer while they brought along Demko and DiPietro. And so obviously, we just have to hope that Demko's ready for showtime. But we know that Markstrom already is. And here's the kicker for me. Jacob Markstrom is going to play for a Daryl Sutter team in Calgary. And we saw with the the Dynasty LA Kings that Daryl Sutter coached how stingy they are and how good they can make their goalies look. 
like Jonathan Quick. I can't re- I think Martin Jones was around at the same time uh, that Daryl Sutter was still in the picture. I should have had something to fact check later. But Daryl Sutter makes his goalies look good. They play tight defensively. They try not to make any mistakes and just pounce on the one or two that their opponents make. And so that's why I feel pretty good about Jacob Markstrom going into this year. Better about him than I do Thatcher Demko. But uh-huh. if you if you want to if you want to pick the guy who's gonna who has the higher upside, go Demko. If you want to go with the more conservative pick uh, and you just don't want to worry about volatility, I'd go Markstrom. Yeah, well, I'm playing it safe. I'm putting them in the same tier because this is for goalies, <laughs> yeah. so I don't have to pick. Even though I probably would take Demko, but like I think that they're very similar in terms of how I view them. And I would probably, if I'm doing my draft again, I'll let someone else choose between them. I'll take the second one, and in the meantime, get maybe a better skater that I drafted earlier. So, anyways, okay, finishing off this tier, we still have three more goalies. So, Mark Andre Fleury is an obvious one. People are probably even thinking like, why is he in tier four? He just won the Vesna at a 9.28 save percentage on Vegas, and obviously the response to that is, I guess, twofold. Number one, he's not. Any younger, and secondly, he's now the starter on Chicago, which is a much worse team. Hey, we saw Robin Leonard do well in Chicago, but I don't know. We'll we'll see if Flurry's up for it. We also saw Flurry struggle way back in the day when he was on Pittsburgh, and then he went to Vegas and became amazing. Like can obviously, I, he was very. Can oh, I interject just for a second Please. because yeah. we're forgetting this thing that happened just two seasons ago? Like Flurry was amazing last year. Two seasons ago, Flurry was a 905. Like you were painting the picture and, and rightfully that, you know, when Flurry was off to Vegas, it seemed like he was on his last legs. Yeah, he'd be a good face of the franchise, but he wasn't going to be a great goalie for them for very long. And then he surprised everyone with an amazing season, like all of Vegas did. Then he had an average season the year after, then a below average season the year after with only 50% quality starts. And he started 48 games. So if you had Marc-Andre Flurry, he was blowing you up. 24 of those 48 times you had him in the crease and then yeah we had this otherworldly one of the best seasons of his career last year so uh elon i'll let you finish your point but let's just not get there's recency bias both good and bad for mark andre flurry yeah, Brian, I definitely don't disagree. Like, Fleury is just someone that we can't put lower because of the season he just had. I don't think I'm personally going to be reaching for him in fantasy drafts. Obviously, if, if he falls far enough. I also think it's not outside of the realm of possibility. Like, definitely, I expect Fleury to be the starter. Don't get me wrong. But, like, Kevin Lankinen had a really good season last year, especially at the start. He kind of fell apart at the end. But again, this is like Carter Hart, who we're going to get to in a sec. He like was just having to play all the time. And you're a young goalie. And it's like the crazy schedule. Like, it's hard to be able to, you know, keep up playing so well all throughout a season like that. But, you know, Lankinen showed that he can play well even on this weak Chicago team. I don't know if Fleury can play so well on this weak Chicago team. Maybe, like, they're actually similar in skill at this point. So we'll have to kind of see. Like, Fleury, we've obviously seen him on a really good Vegas team. There's another cameo from my dog, Cody. Uh, but, yeah, I just think that there's a small chance that Fleury can lose some stars. I'm not saying he's going to, like, be the backup. But maybe it could be a little bit closer to, like, a Varlamov and Sorokin situation that maybe people are willing to expect, which makes him a little bit, you know, like, none of the other goalies in this tier have that problem. Maybe you could say Carey Price and Jake Allen, but I don't know. So anyways, Fleury's here in Tier 4, but we've given reasons to be a little bit concerned. Okay, Carey Price, this is like, I don't know. Like, he was bad last year, and then he was amazing in the playoffs. And so, like, what are, what are we supposed to do? Clearly, he has the ability to be an amazing goalie, because we saw him lead the Habs to the Cup Finals, like, on his back. Uh, but also, he had a 901 save percentage last year. So, I don't know. At the end of the day, clearly, he's good still like he has the ability to be good i like the idea of jake allen being there so he doesn't have to play like so so much and montreal i think is a strong team like i think they have a lot of depth i think well obviously we saw them go to the cup finals i don't think they're that good but i think they're gonna you know challenge for the playoffs at the very least maybe make the playoffs so they're in a tough division 
Anyway, so yeah, Carey Price seems like the kind of goalie that might get taken too high if people are just basing it on the playoffs, in which case I'll be like, no thank you. But if he falls far enough, you got a starting goalie who has the capability to have that flammability factor like we saw all throughout the last playoffs. So I don't know, I would have felt too bad putting Price outside of this tier, even though yeah, his save percentage was weak. And speaking of goalies who had weak save percentage, we're rounding out the tier with Carter Hart, who was absolute garbage last year. But don't forget, going into last season, people were talking about him as like maybe one of the top goalies you could have in fantasy. Like in dynasty leagues, especially people were like Carter Hart's like the number one guy, the heir apparent uh, on this like Philly team, which was strong. Like just last year was so weird. And I'm like, I did my interview with Charlie O'Connor, uh, who was taught, you know, he's the beat writer for Philly, and he basically said that he's not worried about Carter Hart. Like I guess now we'll have to see what kind of resilience he has to bounce back from this tough season but obviously philly has a lot of faith in him like he's their sure start they have martin jones as the backup like i guarantee to you that martin jones isn't stealing a lot of starts from carter hart hopefully he could be decent enough that carter hart doesn't have to play like back-to-backs and play like you know five times in like 10 days or whatever but i uh yeah i think hart is a as a swing like obviously we saw last year how bad it could go but i'm not that worried that it'll happen again i think at the end of the day you might still have yourself a goalie on like a decent team that's gonna play a lot and has the ability to put up a solid save percentage so that's why we have carter hart in this tier though definitely a bigger risk to me than thatcher demko or jacob markstrom or mark andre fleury and even carrie price but maybe higher upside i don't know yeah i'm going on the record here and i did suggest like our tier four and tier five i i, I had to take just like tier two uh, like i i feel like uh tier four and tier five could be combined i'm having some regrets here about our tier four with flurry and price essentially being legacy ads here flurry because of his recent vesna and price because of a playoff performance we know that those aren't things to hang our hats on especially with the numbers we've seen like carry price has been average ish and like you said just a 901 last season um he didn't play a ton in the regular season he only had 25 starts and six of those were really bad starts which means uh he had a save percentage below 850 and that's one of the reasons his save percentage overall was as low as it was at 901 um he just had some really really low lows that dragged him down it still was a bad season on the whole and uh, it didn't inspire confidence. And yeah, I well, we'll see when we get to tier five, Elon. But now I'm starting to think uh, there are a few guys that I want that I feel more confident in than Flurry and Price and even Carter Hart, who, yes, I still believe in. Uh, I am with you and Charlie O'Connor, who say uh, last year is a write-off for Philly. We're not going to judge anybody too much based on what they put up. Carter Hart has been good in his career so far. He's still just getting started. Last year was a total train wreck, and I'm willing to just write it off. But going into last year, we were super excited about the potential he'd shown. And so I am just pretty much rewinding the clock to how we felt about him then, just but with one little tick against while we think of it. That's just in the back of my mind. That's like, yeah, so my optimism about Carter Hart can't go unchecked by how poorly the last season went, but I don't want to put a ton of stock into it. So that's why Carter Hart is where he is with Demko, Markstrom, Flory, and Price in tier four, which honestly, uh, if you asked me uh, if my tier one, two, and three goalies are gone, I would just let someone else draft these tier four goalies and then wait for tier five because I don't want to reach for these guys in tier four because I don't think they're that much better as options for my fantasy team than the tier five guys we're about to go through. 
All right, so let's get to tier five. Maybe as we go through, you can bring up which goalies you think you'd potentially rather have over like a Carey Price or a Marc-Andre Fleury or a Carter Hart. So we'll get to tier five and the rest of our Schwar goalies, board goalies in just a sec. You're listening to Kevin Carlson. All right, we are back. So to recap, Vasilevsky, tier one, Hellebuck and Lenner, tier two, Shostjork and Kemper, Saros, tier three, and then Demko, Markstrom, Fleury, Price, and Hart in tier four. Now we're getting into a tier five where Brian is already teeming with regret, thinking that maybe that some of the tier four and tier five goalies are similar enough that they shouldn't be separated. So let's go through them. Tier five is going to be more starting goalies who some of them have done really bad recently. Some of them have done really well recently. Uh, So overall, they make up like a mishmash of goalies that still should be relatively reliable for you in fantasy. First one is like an outlier. It's like we couldn't even figure out which tier to put this guy in. And that's Semyon Varlamov. We have him in tier five just because the sense is like Ben just did an interview with Arthur Staple recently. And Arthur Staple was saying he thinks that the Islanders are going to, you know, at some point soon, probably next season, start to get ready to have Ilya Sorokin start to take over as the starter. Now, that doesn't mean Sorokin's going to be the starter next year, but there's only one more year left in this Varlamov contract. So it's time to like get at least up to 50-50. And so how high are you really going to draft a goalie that's potentially only going to play 50% of the games that said every time varlamov does play it does seem like he's gold right he had a 929 save percentage last year he won 19 games out of his 36 so uh, i don't know i'm happy to have him here in tier five but some of the patrons in our mock drafts have been taking him a lot higher and i can't argue with it right because sometimes maybe the volume especially if you're in like a categories league where maybe uh, you know you're focused more on just having a really good rate stats like save percentage and goals against average maybe if he plays a little less whatever. He's like helping you win those categories. So maybe it depends a little bit on league format. But yeah, so Varlamov is here, and I feel like you can make an argument to put him in tier three. I'm not even going to argue with you, but I'm just going to say I'm worried about him not playing as much to be worth it, like compared to like a Shostjorkin or a Camper. So that's why Varlamov's here. Yeah, and I'll just throw in, if you're in a categories league, your minimum start is going to be a big determining factor to how valuable Varlamov can be. If you only need one start a week in your format, uh, then Honestly, Varlamov jumps way up to the top. I would happily start Varlamov, sit on his rates. Uh, I don't care about wins and saves, and hopefully they're not huge factors, but he's going to get you save percentage and goals against average almost like more often than not by getting just one start a week. If you need more volume, yeah, you're going to be in trouble. If wins are worth a lot, yeah, you're going to be in more trouble um, than the other situation with Varlamov. He's still going to be good, but you just need to figure out how much volume you're looking for from a goalie, and that's how much you should value Varlamov. If you don't need much volume at all, big value. If you need a lot of value volume, then his value drops. Varlamov, volume, value. See that <laughs> 10 times fast. You did great, Brian. Okay, so the other tier five goalies are a lot more straightforward, more like straight up starters. So we've got Mike Smith, we brought up. What a weird goalie, right? To me, this is the guy that's the example of why it's hard to predict goalies and why maybe this is a silly exercise because Mike Smith was brutal for a couple of, well, not brutal, but he like wasn't that amazing. No, he was uh, brutal. The, Okay, fair enough. I mean, Brian obviously likes to be harsher on some of these goalies, but uh, Mike Smith obviously used to be really good back when he was on Arizona, like 10 years ago or something, and he's had a a good long career, but now he's like, what is he, 40 years old, 39, 40? Uh, But somehow last year, uh, at the twilight of his career... He had a 923 save percentage, 21 wins in 32 games, stole the job from Koskinen. I think going into last season, we assumed that Koskinen... Well, uh, Mike Smith was injured to start the year, right? So Koskinen, we thought, was going to be the starter. And we thought he'd be reasonably okay, because Koskinen was actually pretty decent the year before. And now I think we have Koskinen in our very last year, or almost. So it goes to show how, especially in Edmonton, it's especially hard to predict these goalies. But as of now, as far as we know, they've brought back Mike Smith. 
Uh, he's, I assume, going to be the starter, considering how weak Koskinen was last year. And going by last year's numbers, how could you not want him in Tier 5? If he keeps falling, you've got a starting goalie on a team that, like, even if he's just average, it might be enough to get you wins just because that offense is able to score so many goals with McDavid and Dreisaitl. So, yeah, I mean, I'd be pretty happy to get Mike Smith, especially if he's falling to, you know, like, 13th, 15th goalie in my draft. I'm just going to repeat, he was brutal the years prior, and it's very possible he's going to return to being brutal this year. The good thing that Smith has going for him is there is nobody, nobody to push him. You've got Miko Koskinen, who has also been brutal as of late. You know, I thought he could at least push Mike Smith enough to get some more starts. Last year, that was impossible. But even over the last few years, Koskinen has not played consistently well enough to justify giving him half the team starts. Unfortunately, the Oilers might just not have a goalie that they can justify giving half the team starts to. He had a pretty good season in 1920, but that's been the lone bright spot over the last little while. So I would say that's the reason that Mike Smith is up here is because he's got McDavid on his team. He has very little competition. And so really, he just has to be okay but even that is a tall order for Mike Smith. So you know me. I, I really don't want him on my fantasy team. He's let me down a lot of times in a lot of different ways. And I am very shy from having been bitten by that. So Mike Smith is in tier five, but he's not somebody I hope to end up with at the end of any of my drafts. Yeah, and I think actually similar to Mike Smith is this next guy, Jordan Binnington. And maybe some Binnington truthers out there will say that I'm being crazy for saying that. But I think it's a similar situation where I don't know if Binnington is that great of a goalie at this point, but he's on a really good team and he has no competition. So at the end of the day, you know, he's going to get a lot of starts and you can't have him any lower. But Binnington, at least in terms of his raw stats, you know, a 9-10 save percentage last year, 9-12 the year before. Yeah, he was really good in 2018-19 when the Blues won the Cup. Not taking anything away from him, but since then, meh. Not that great, but St. Louis is a decent team. He's going to get a lot of starts. So I see him as similar to Mike Smith, and obviously he's younger, but I don't know. I think to me it would be a coin flip between if I want Smith or... I I think actually Smith is a little more vulnerable to lose starts. Like, uh, I think Bennington is like the 100% I'm confident he's going to play the most games, and with Mike Smith, maybe I'm like 90% confident he's going to play the most games for whatever that's worth. Uh, But yeah, I don't love either of these guys, but they're in, you know, really good situations. I'm going to go with a hard disagree here, Elon, that Bennington and Smith are similar, although they might land in the same tier. Uh, Bennington has been at least average the last three seasons, which are the only three seasons he's played in the league. And yeah, he was really good in that cup run season. But since then, he's been at least an average goalie. That's decent. I I think there's a bad taste in our mouths from last season when Bennington's quality start percentage was just 51%, which is bad. Right. You want to, you want to believe that the guy you're putting in your crease in the real world or fantasy is going to be a quality player more than 51% of the time. Usually for quality start percentage, you're looking for like around 55% and then 60% or more is great. Uh, below 50% is really bad. So Bennington was just on that precipice and he blew up a little more than anybody would have liked. And I think that's the reason he's being, I think, undervalued this season um, by, like, you know, if you're saying I, you don't think he's a very good goalie, I can tell you his Delta Fenwick save percentage has been above his expected number every season in the league. So I have no reason to think that Jordan Bennington is a bad goalie. Yeah, he's had some bouts of inconsistency lately, but uh, you compare his 
numbers from the last three years against Mike Smith. And there is one very, very, very clear winner here. And again, I'm going to go with what I said before. And like the, the Brian edit to these tiers, and I want to be very clear about this, is that tier four and five could absolutely be combined because I would be taking Jordan Bennington ahead of Demko, Markstrom, Flurry. Price and Hart. Like I would actually wow. take him above any of those tier four goalies now that I'm, you know, now that we're in the zone here talking about it. Okay. I guess we'll just have to agree to disagree here. Like you're saying like how like, oh, it's such a clear thing that uh, Bennington is like much better than Mike Smith. I'm just like looking at how last year <laughs> Bennington wasn't that great and Mike Smith was amazing. So, and I think Edmonton might be better than St. Louis. Yeah, so which, which is most, oh yeah. So I, d- I, yeah. So there's another disagree. You know, I think we were, we're, we're not on the same page for team quality there either. Yeah. Tweeted us, who would you rather have next year? I think people will probably agree with you. I don't even think, I have them in the same tier, <laughs> but like you think that Bennington is like uh, heads and shoulders above Mike well, Smith. Well, yeah, you're we saying the tier difference tier. is that Bennington was average last year and Mike Smith was crazy good. How like, how likely, let me just ask you, how likely do you think it is that Mike Smith repeats last season? No, I don't think it's likely at all, but I think he could be decent. Like, I think he could be like a 9-16 save percentage, let's say, that would in Bennington. Be, that would be a fair bit above average. That would be really, yeah, so I'll take that. would be a very good season. Yeah, so l- okay. last year he was 9-23, so I'm definitely thinking he's going to fall from there. But I think if he can land around 9-15, 9-16... Do you want to do go, an over-under at 9-16? No, because we're trying to predict goalies. It's impossible. Okay. I'm just saying, I'm giving All him right. like eight save percentage... I'm giving him eight save percentage points to fall, and I'm still not disappointed. So I feel like it's a pretty good cushion. But okay, let's keep on going with Tier 5 here. More goalies that Brian thinks might actually be better than some of the Tier 4 guys. Uh, so here's a guy who was amazing last year, or at least for a lot of it, Cam Talbot. He had that flammability factor also. Like, he had some runs where he wasn't that great, but then he had runs where he was like winning and having amazing save percentages game in, game out uh he's the thing with me with camp talbot i think maybe you would disagree i still kind of feel like kapo kakinen is a bit of a threat for starts like not to the level of like sorokin to varlamov but i wouldn't be so surprised if you know kakinen went on a hot run if he was able to you know get a few games in a row where we're talking keeping carlson oh oh, is kakinen the new starter and then maybe like talbot takes the job back after a while like i could definitely see things like that happening so for that reason like i like the team i think minnesota's solid enough especially for their goalies Uh, i think talbot has shown that he's a pretty good goalie he's you know pulled a camper right he was garbage for a little bit and he's really now bounced back and settled in st louis and is looking decent uh so yeah, I think he fits in right here in Tier 5. And I guess I'll bring up another guy just so we, you could uh, talk about two at the same time. Tristan Jari we have next. I know you're, for some reason, like really into Tristan Jari. Like he's, again, he's gone hot for a while, but he's also gone really cold. Pittsburgh concerns me a little bit next year. Like, you know, Malkin's injured, now Crosby's injured, so it might be a tough start to the year. Jari's been inconsistent, but when he's, you know, he's still the starting goalie, and he's, you know, when he's been on his game, he's done really well. So I see Jari... Bennington Smith to me I love I like tier five I think this it's only Varlamov who doesn't fit in because we couldn't figure out where to put him but so far Smith Bennington Talbot Jari I'm just gonna say the last name Frederick Anderson to me is also like one of those guys and that's the last goalie in our tier five he's I guess gonna be the starter on Carolina now he's been brutal like last year he was really brutal uh but before that you know he was a decent enough goalie on Toronto and Carolina's a good team and Anderson we'll see I don't know He's like kind of concerning. I don't think I would take him, <laughs> to be honest. But all these goalies, I think, fit very nicely in Tier 5. So once again, and then Brian, you could comment, Tier 5 is Varlamov, Mike Smith, Binnington, Cam Talbot, Tristan Jari, and Frederick Anderson. Yes, but remember the Brian edit. I mean, you're saying you like all these Tier I'm not going to belabor the point, but you like all these Tier 5 guys, and you like them for a reason. Uh, Cam Talbot is someone who I wouldn't 
be that into in a lot of situations in the NHL and a lot of the creases in Minnesota. Sure. Absolutely. Actually, I think he's made for them. He's almost like he's a pretty good heir apparent to Devin Dubnik, who was able to put up some really great numbers by just playing average behind a team that protected him so, so well. And Minnesota still does that. They're a top 10 defensive team in the league. And Last year, they actually at times looked like one of the best teams in the entire league. And Cam Talbot just basically needs to be an NHL goalie to put up really good numbers there. And I think he's capable of doing that still. Then Tristan Jari is someone who I like this year, just as someone whose stock fell a lot from his playoff performance. I know it was a rough thing. And I, I think a lot of people are going to have a hard time getting that first round series out of their heads where he was just... Yeah, he was brutal, right? I don't know if you remember. 88 save percentage and uh, uh, one quality start out of the six games he started. Yeah, bad against Islanders. But like, he also wasn't that amazing in the regular season as well. Don't, like, don't uh, say it as if it was only the playoffs. Sure, yeah. He had a 909 in the regular season, which, no, isn't anything fancy or special. But it's not terrible. And I think he actually, like, that's a decent way to explain his last couple regular seasons, which is uh, he had these really, I I don't know if you remember two seasons ago, he had these really amazing runs and then like really high highs and really low lows, which is a way I I describe a lot of goalies. But Tristan Jari was almost the poster boy for that two seasons ago. And then last year, there were just more lows than highs, which was a bummer. But I think on the whole, he's still someone that is worth uh, considering, especially behind a, a Penguins team that I think is pretty motivated to do well as they try and win one more Stanley Cup in the window that they've got Crosby, Malkin, and Latang still playing at an elite level. And I think Jerry's not a bad goalie to have back there. His quality starts percentage over the last couple of years is above 60%, which is good. I think he's someone who's going to provide really good value to anybody who drafts him uh, because so many people have soured on him. And again, he's someone that I would consider uh, comparable to Markstrom, and I might be more interested in him than Flurry Price and Hart. I won't. Uh, sorry, I won't do this for every. Yeah. Okay. Well, how about this? Let me just throw this out there now, so we could like be done with it. How? Let's do a compromise. Okay. I want to keep. This is, I think, a good deal for you. So you should take this. I, I want to keep Damco, Markstrom, and Flurry in tier four, but I'll be good to put Price and Hart down to tier five. So I'm giving you more than you have now. How can you say no? Well, if you're just not going to give me all that I want, I will yeah. take the compromise because it's closer to what I want. Uh, okay. I still don't there know that Demko marks from, I, like, I still don't know this is correct. I still combine tier four and five. That's all one tier to me. Um, okay. but thank you for the compromise. Why, why do you get more say in these tiers? Anyway, uh, you know, I don't get more say. We, we agreed on this before. <laughs> we did. <Now> I'm- <laughs> yeah, we did. Elon and I uh, spoke about nine hours ago to hammer out our tears. So I, I had my chance to voice more of a problem earlier. Um, and then, yeah, Freddie Anderson in Carolina, that could work out. I, I think the biggest concern is that Carolina has been a team that likes to keep their goalies rested, uh, maybe because they're scarred by how often they've been injured. It's been a really really long time since Carolina has had a goalie that's taken on a true number one workload. Uh, and of course, Freddie Anderson has also shown himself to be somewhat injury prone. So I think Auntie Ranta isn't going to push too hard because Auntie Ranta, when he pushes hard, he gets injured. Uh, but at the same time, I just don't know how many starts Freddie Anderson is going to get. I think last year he performed uh, poorly, more poorly than he should have because he was playing through injuries um, for a bunch of it. And I think to his detriment, but he has a 
so the last couple of years have not gone well for Freddie Anderson, but outside of them, he had a lot of good years coming into those, uh, these bad, uh, two recent years. So I guess my hope for Freddie Anderson is there's nothing like long-term nagging him, uh, that continues to be like this recurring injury that's impacting his movement or anything along those lines. I just hope Freddie Anderson with the fresh start in Carolina, can be good. And I'll just speak back to what we talked about right at the front of the show, um, beyond potentially sharing time in that Carolina crease. Carolina is a team that does not give up a lot of shot volume. They're a very stingy team. So even if Freddie Anderson only gives up two goals a night, it's going to be on like 18 shots, which is going to hurt you for your save percentage. That's just one reason to be worried and one reason why we have him where we do in our tiers. Yeah, well, don't forget also Carolina just lost Dougie Hamilton. So that's a pretty significant defenseman to lose, which means it's possible that maybe they won't be as good defensively going into next year. So we'll have to wait and see. One thing I'll just throw out there, I feel like I sort of sold Chicago a little short, right? Like when we were talking about Mark andre Fleury, I was just saying like, oh, Chicago's not as good as Vegas, blah, 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 blah. I'm actually kind of into Chicago. Like, again, like, uh, like Chicago, I think, is better this year than next year. Like they got Seth Jones. And again, you could argue about the package they paid and the contract they gave him. But he's obviously like a very big upgrade on anyone they had on defense last year. And they've also got Jonathan Taves coming back, who's like obviously a very good player if he's back at 100%. So I am like, that's the reason why I like Fleury still where he is, because I think that Chicago could actually be a decent team. And I think Fleury's obviously shown that he's still a decent goalie. So anyways, not to like argue about tier four and tier five too, too much. So let me just <laughs> okay. recap. Tier four, we've got Demko, Markstrom, Fleury. And then tier five, we've got Varlamov, Mike Smith, Binnington, Talbot, Price, Hart, Jari, and Frederick Anderson. And now we get to move on to tier six. Yeah, we'll see how vulnerable Fleury is in Chicago. It's kind of poetic that Laner uh, thrived being that vulnerable in Chicago and then struggled once he got back into a protected situation in Vegas. And now Fleury's going the other direction. So we'll really see who uh, will know quickly whether Vegas made the right choice about the goalie they're taking. But Chicago was the 31st ranked defensive team two seasons ago. They were 30th last season. So uh, Seth Jones, you're putting a lot on his shoulders sure. to improve that decor. I agree. Jonathan Taves being back will also help. But even with Jonathan Taves, they were bad. So he's he's just going to have his work cut out for him. And I agreed with what you said about Kevin Lankinen being someone who could potentially challenge, who might be able to do well with a, with a lesser workload than he was tasked with last season. But okay, I think it's time for us to move on to tier six. All right. So now we're at the point where all the goalies we're listing aren't like so sure to be starters like there's a little bit of a question mark these are still good goalies that we expect to be the starters but there's like a little bit of a question mark and we'll explain as we go or maybe if maybe it's not a question mark of them being a starter it's a question mark of like how many of those starts they're gonna get kind of like a varlamov like varlamov would fit into this tier but i would have just felt stupid putting varlamov in tier six after the season he just had so he just got bumped up even though he doesn't fit like thematically but here's like more potential varlamovs i guess uh so we start with uh philip grubauer in seattle who was like one of the best goalies in fantasy last year but obviously uh colorado one of the seems the league is probably a little different than an expansion team i know everyone is assuming or maybe thinking that maybe seattle could be just like vegas was but you know i wouldn't just jump to that conclusion right away and also seattle has chris drieger who had a really good year last year and he got himself a decent contract himself so this could easily just be a tandem and probably that's a smart thing for seattle to do why run a goalie into the ground if they've got two really good decently high paid goalies so yeah i think that grubauer fits in here uh, uh, do you want to talk about Grubauer? Maybe let's start off the tier with one and then we can go through the others. Sure. Yeah. Well, and we've mentioned Grubauer's name a little bit in 
you know, saying how he was actually really good in Colorado. And last season, I called him out because he wasn't doing so well at five on five, but he was protecting himself by playing out of his mind while shorthanded. And then right after I mentioned that neat little nugget, he played really well at five on five the rest of the season. He's someone else who I think is at least an average NHL goalie and has huge upside. We saw in his backup slash uh, number one usurping role in Washington before before he went to Colorado, remember when he was taking starts away from Holtby? And even when he was just straight up Holtby's backup, Grubauer had some really, really, really good runs and showed some real promise that he hasn't reached those heights with Colorado uh, is a little surprising to me. But I'm hoping that back in Seattle, um, he's got a team who just paid him a lot of money to be the number one goalie. Uh, and we'll see because they also paid someone to Chris Treidger, a fair amount of money to be their 1A, 1B goalie. So we're going to see how the starts are split between Grubauer and Driedger. But I do have faith that uh, with the team Seattle's put together, Grubauer is in a place he can succeed. Yeah, definitely agreed. And he showed us last year he's a good goalie. And like you said, also back in Washington. And now in Washington, there's no more Holtby. There's no more Grubauer. But they do have Ilya Samsonov, who's someone kind of like a Carter Hart, who going into last year, we were all like, oh, my God, this is so, like, you know, go reach for Samsonov. He's going to be great. And then he kind of let us down. So now he falls a few tiers. But honestly, that might be a great opportunity. Maybe like the main or one of the themes I'm thinking of going into drafts this year is just draft, draft the goalies that were expected to be good going into the year because now they're falling. And last year, was weird so if you throw it out all of a sudden Samsonov his stock goes up so yeah last year he was bad 902 save percentage he had COVID okay like need I say more okay like I mean how much can you blame who knows how healthy he was it was a weird situation like Washington had that outbreak with like anyways whatever it was a bad year but I could explain it away so Ilya Samsonov I think belongs here again like Vitek Vanacek is not nothing like he had a good year last year so I think he is a potential threat for starts which is you know similar to Trigger with Grubauer and then I guess a similar situation over in Columbus with Elvis Merzlikens who we have in this tier so I think we all have come to agree you know talking to Allison Lucan, like she thinks that Merzlikens is the better goalie than Corpusalo, but like last year Corpusalo played more games, so who knows, right? Like they, it could be closer to 50 50. I think Merzlikens will get more stars, but I don't think it's going to be like an 80 20 type thing. It's not going to be a Tampa situation. Uh, also, I am a little bit concerned that Columbus might be terrible, right? They're going into full rebuild mode right now, so. You know, we'll see. But I think Merzlikens is a pretty good goalie. So we'll see how he does. And so we have him here. And I'll throw one more goalie out and then I'll throw it to you before we get into the last two. But uh, how about Cal Peterson over in LA? So he technically has never really been the starter there. He's always like either been behind Jonathan Quick and last year they started to like split starts more and more. There was a stretch where Peterson was playing more games. But overall, we still haven't seen him have this like breakout year that we were expecting. He only had a 9-11 save percentage last year. But this year, I don't know. Could be the year. Like, LA got Phil know. They've got these prospects coming in that who knows how good they'll be. But I think that, you know, we're expecting LA to be good in a couple years. Maybe next year is the start of it where they're decent. And also maybe it's the year where finally Cal Peterson becomes the true starter. Because really, like, how much longer can Jonathan Quick be a guy that they can rely on for starts now that they're actually trying to win games and not just, like, be at the bottom of the league while they wait for their prospects? Right. Okay, so I'm gonna, where should I start? I guess I'll just start with Peterson since you talked about him most recently. And yeah, I actually really like Cal Peterson and tier six for this reason. Like this is a, a goalie on a team like LA who is not expected to do a, a whole lot this season, but could be on the up and up. But Cal Peterson 
has this big upside and so does the team he plays for and he has upside for volume too like to actually take over the number one role these are all guys who have this quiet possibility uh kind of buried in your draft of stepping up and being a number one goalie on maybe a half decent team but able to put up some solid numbers the whole way through and that's how i'd mention uh, Cal Peterson, Elvis Merzlikens, and Ilya Samsonov together in the same breath. I'd be happy getting to take a chance on one of these guys late in the draft. Then again, I said I'd be happy last year with Matt Murray and John Gibson late in my draft, and we saw how that worked out for me uh, brutally for anyone else who tried to. So I think the best of the bunch here is Samsonov, just because uh, Washington seems like the best team uh, between Columbus and LA, but he has maybe the best competition in Vitek Vanacek. And then Elvis Merzlikens in Columbus just wowed us uh, in his rookie season. And then last season didn't wow us so much, but again, Columbus was a mess. I wouldn't call it quite the same mess as uh, to the same extent as Philadelphia was, but it was a mess with John Tortorella just trying everything and anything and nothing working and saying there were culture problems and just making what I thought was a mess of the whole Columbus team and Merzlikens coming into the season. I don't know, I've been reading some interviews of his and getting really jacked about it. He seems super motivated, super focused, and I could see him having a monster year the way he did two years ago. So Samsonov, Merzlikens, and Peterson, I like them all. They all belong on equal footing in this tier with me. And I think one of them could end up being one of the best steals of any goalie this year if you can get them at the right time. Yeah, well, these are all goalies who people are going to let fall because there's maybe some risks and maybe a backup. So yeah, that one of them probably will end up taking the job and being a starter. It's just hard to know exactly which one. Okay, so we have two more goalies in this tier. So we have so far have Grubauer, Samson, Versiegans, Cal Peterson. Here's another name. I have no idea how the season's going to go. Like, this is a hard one. But Linus Allmark going to Boston. This is a guy who's been in Buffalo his whole career. To me, he's been, like, decent. Like, last year he had a 917 save percentage. When he played, he was good. And Buffalo's basically been bad. Well, I don't. This is not a hot take to tell you that Buffalo's been bad since like forever. Like definitely since we started keeping Carlson. So it's always like you know Robin Leonard was in Buffalo and wasn't that big a deal. Uh, he had that one good year, but anyways, then he left Buffalo. Now he's like a star in the league, and so I, it's interesting. Like what can Almark do now on a good team like Boston? Of course, one other red flag with Linus Allmark is that he's injury prone, right? He hasn't played a full season in forever. So it's kind of a risky guy to swing on in your drafts because I'd be worried about that groin. And then I guess another red flag is how good Jeremy Swayman was last year. Like when he played, he was amazing as a rookie. And like this year, he'll actually be a rookie. And so, you know, Allmark's going to have to play really well or else Swayman's going to steal starts. Plus, at some point, Tuka Rask is going to come back. I'd assume then they're obviously not going to, uh, you know, send Allmark to the minors, I guess that will be bad for Jeremy Swayman when Rask comes back. Uh, but Allmark then could like lose the starting job. So there's like a huge upside here. Cause again, all that, all that said, like he could be the starting goalie on Boston and we've seen how good having a goalie like that can be. And Swayman might not be ready to be like the Halak and just play 50% of the games. Like I know he had that good run last year, but it's possible that Allmark is going to come in and if he's healthy, be a decently good volume starter on this like great team. And it could just be amazing. So I, I've really thrown like so many scenarios. And so at the end we have him here in tier six. And again, like I think this could be a huge hit 
or it could end up being like a huge miss and he could be a backup goalie or injured. Allmark to me doesn't have the same potential to break away from his goaltending tandem partner to claim the lion's share of the start that Peterson, Merzlikens, and Samsonov do. I'd have Allmark sort of in the same category as Grubauer this way as being, yeah, you seem to be the incumbent. You seem to be the favored guy. You've got the bigger contract and a bigger career track record than the one you're competing with. And let's see if you, Linus Allmark, can pull away from Jeremy Swayman. Even if Allmark can't, it's hard for me to imagine he doesn't get at least ah, 50-55% of the starts in on a Boston team that is still very good and will do good work in front of him. So he seems like a, a pretty good safe pick to put up good numbers in a good situation. And there is that upside that, yeah, if Jeremy Swayman isn't up to the task of playing, you know, say 45% of the time, then that could really bode well for Linus Allmark if he's proving he can handle uh, his crease in Boston. Yeah, I think a good strategy could be, how about this? You draft Linus Allmark, then he's hopefully has a good, strong start to the year. You know, UC Saros, like I said, has a weak start to the year, like he has the last couple of years. Then you make that swap. You got to get, you got to unload Allmark before Tuka Rask comes back. Like, no matter how good Allmark is doing, if Rask comes back, all of a sudden you've got a backup on your hands. So you trade him while he's hot, which is obviously the hardest thing to do in fantasy because you've got this goalie that's helping you. But he's a guy that I'd be interested in drafting and then maybe trying to unload at some point. I just came up with that also, though. So maybe I'd have to think it through. Okay, we have one more goalie in this tier. This is a kind of, he doesn't really belong here. Honestly, I think he should be lower, but we're giving him the respect of one more. You have one last. Last chance to prove to us that you're not like just like totally not draftable in fantasy. I'm looking at you, John Gibson, over in Anaheim. Okay, we're putting you in tier six. You're he doesn't have competition. Who's the back of an Anaheim? It's like Anthony Stolars for real. What are they? What are you doing? Like anyway, so Gibson's gonna play a lot. Like if he's help, you know, if he can. Uh, he's been brutal the last couple of years, but at one point we thought of him as like one of the best goalies in the league. So. Anaheim, I'm not excited about them for next year. I don't think they're going to be good. So, I don't know. We're throwing Gibson here because he didn't fit anywhere lower. I didn't want to put him in a tier with, like, Matt Murray when we get to there. Uh, But uh, I don't know. I don't even know about John Gibson anymore. I wouldn't draft him. But I guess if he falls, like, super far in your drafts, then might as well, right? If If you get to a point where you can draft him and if he's bad, you could just drop him and not worry about it, then sure. Maybe he could go on a hot run to start the year and you get some value out of him. But I'm definitely not relying on him. But one thing I'm going to allow John Gibson is that he played for one of the worst defensive teams last year. And I don't think we talk about that enough when we're talking about how bad his play was. The Ducks ranked 26 in the NHL and expected goals against rates behind Buffalo, behind Ottawa, behind Arizona. Don't get me wrong. If Anaheim traded him and he went to a different team, like, because the problem is I don't see how that's going to be any different. Like, I guess Jamie Drysdale could step up and like help the defense that's the only thing i could imagine like making things better exactly so like that's that's the flip side of this coin is that so yeah we're basically saying that even though he's still in a bad situation we have some hope that john gibson with what he's shown us through the rest of his career he's been a really fantastic goalie he's a really fantastic goalie from 2016 to 2019 okay he had three incredible seasons where he stood on his head night in night out keeping the ducks in games they had no business being in essentially doing what 
Connor Hellebuck has done for the last two seasons. And then in Gibson's last two seasons, he's looked very human, very average, and very exposed. I actually don't think many NHL goalies would be putting up even a 903-904 if they were if they had the same workload to deal with that John Gibson had. But that doesn't matter for your fantasy team. It didn't matter for mine last year when I was like, come on, John Gibson, pull out your superhuman tricks. And he just didn't have them. And quality start percentage like terrible, barely above 40% quality starts for the last two seasons. So a ton of red flags around his play the last couple of years. But our only hope is that this is the year that Anaheim starts pulling themselves back up after this tailspin rebuild they've been in and that some of their players start maturing. We're looking at Comtois. We're looking at Zgras. We're looking at Troy Terry and Max Jones and Sam Steele. Right there, are a lot of players that we're looking to improve incrementally and play more like NHLers. You also mentioned on the back end, you've got Jamie Drysdale coming in. So hopefully Anaheim is just a not, I don't think they're going to be a great team this year, but maybe there's a little more stability for John Gibson to work with. And yeah, it's, it's hard to necessarily justify having Gibson up here where he is. He might not be a goalie that I like in practice. I'm really excited to reach for ahead of the tier seven uh, goalies that we're about to get to, but he's earned at least the benefit of the doubt here that maybe he can regain superhuman status rather than just average. Cause he needs to be superhuman in Anaheim to have a good season. Yeah. I'm with you. Like, we're going to get to now goalies that are in tandems and probably it would just be safer to take one of them over Gibson. But obviously Gibson has that upside of being a sure starter. So that's why we have him here. I don't love it, but this is what we're doing next year. If he has another year, like last year, next year, I'm putting Gibson like lower and then obviously he'll be good. So what are you going to do? All right. So tier seven. So now we've got tandem goalies. Basically these are goalies where we don't exactly know who the starter is going to be. So we're just throwing like the goalie, both goalies from the team. We know that whoever does, it's like, these are like fun swings, right? Because if you take a goalie and a tandem on a good team and then one of them actually does like earn the job, you've nailed it. And all of a sudden you've gotten like a, a you know, they look at Varlamov last year, right? Like people didn't draft him and then he ended up playing like a bit more than Sorokin and ended up being like such a great pick but he fell because people were worried about who's gonna get the start so here we don't really know so we just have a bunch of goalies where we're gonna give our opinion on who we think is the better goalie in the tandem but it could really go either way and uh just to make things a little more complicated we're throwing Ilya Sorokin in here at the top uh because we don't want to let him fall any further uh so he you know generally this tier is going to be goalies where we have both of the goalies in the tandem we had Varlamov higher because we just couldn't justify having him that low and now Sorokin here because technically I don't know if it's exactly a tandem but it's pretty close to it and uh Sorokin when he does play he had a 918 save percentage last year as a rookie like I know he wasn't actually a rookie like he played in the KHL before but still some people take time to adjust to the NHL but Sorokin was just fine and I'm assuming he'll be even better next year and maybe there's the upside that he gets more starts so we have him to start tier seven uh and then We've got a bunch of tandems. So you ready? These are like good teams. One of them is a like, questionable, but Brian like fought to put these goalies here. So we'll see what, what people think. But okay, so I'm going to start where with Toronto. Jack Campbell, we know the run he went in last year was amazing. 921 save percentage in 22 games overall. If he's the starting goalie on the Leafs, he's worth a lot more. But at the same time, he has some injury risk. And, like remember, like he was even like getting rested sometimes just because they didn't, they were worried. Like, even last year, there was like injury stuff and there was like resting him and all this so who knows his health and now they've brought in Petr Mrazek who we've seen have runs of being like really good goalie in the league he's had runs of being really bad but like last year there was stretches where he was the top goalie in Carolina so 
I don't know. Like, I think uh, opinions may vary. I'd probably take Campbell over Morazic, but I definitely wouldn't be shocked if, like, Morazic ends up, you know, playing better at the start of the year and getting more stars. I could see, like, flipping back and forth, or maybe they'll just be smart and just go 50-50. Like, even if Campbell's better, maybe they still just go 50-50 because they're worried about Campbell's health, right? So it's a tandem. Not sure what'll happen. Obviously, if Campbell gets injured, by the way, all of a sudden Morazic's value skyrockets. That's why they're both here. Toronto Maple Leafs tandem leading off tier seven after Ilias Sorokin. Yeah, I, I don't have a whole lot more to say about any of these guys. Like you said, Sorokin uh, could be equally valuable to Semyon Varlamov this season. He could play 41 games. He could put up really good numbers. So it's kind of funny that we have them two tiers apart, but we just know that if the scale does tip towards one, it seems more likely that it'll tip towards Varlamov, especially with his play last season. Sorokin wasn't always super consistent when he did get the nod. So that's why he's here. And then like you said about Toronto, Elon Campbell and Mrazek, we don't know who's going to pull away here. Campbell seems to be the one labeled the incumbent, which is fair. Uh, he took the team into the playoffs last season. He took the job from Freddie Anderson, who was injured, but still he took it and nobody doubted him. And then everyone's like, oh, is Jack Campbell really the right guy? So they brought Petr Morazic in, who's another player who for years we've been asking, oh, is Petr Morazic really the right guy? So we have two players who have shown uh, that they can play way out of their minds for some games and then other times they just seem to lose their game and other times they also just seem to get injured so i think injury might actually end up determining who ends up playing the most games in toronto's crease this season if i had to pick one uh, i would pick jack campbell but i see them on on equal enough footing to have them grouped enough in this tier just like this next tandem in florida yeah, with Florida, I feel like I think Spencer Knight is better. It's not a hot take based on how he did last year compared to how Bobrovsky's done since he got to Florida. But like, I did my interview with David Dwork earlier on in the summer, and he said that like the Panthers want this to be a tandem. Like they want to play as long as they're feeling like they're you know in a good spot, they'd rather just play Bobrovsky at least fifty percent of the time and not just like give all the starts to Spencer Knight. Obviously, if they get to a point where they just need to win games and they think that Knight is the better option. He said, yeah, they're going to end up playing Spencer Knight. But hopefully, like, they want Bobrovsky to be worth at least partially the money that he's getting. And he hasn't been, like, he also brought up that maybe Bobrovsky hasn't been as bad as people say because they're comparing him to the money he's making. Like, money aside, like, as a tandem guy, maybe he's not the worst option. And also, of course, the main story here is Florida just looks so stacked. Like, this team just looks like you want to have the goalie playing on them anytime they play. Their defense is stacked. Their forwards, like, we're, like, talking about guys like you know, Patrick Hornfist being on the fourth or third line, potentially, just because there's no room for him in the top six. And this is a guy who had a huge break, not breakup, but like an amazing season last year. So anyways, Florida's great. I think I'd rather have Spencer Knight than Bobrovsky. I think there's a lot of upside for him to have a really good year, especially if Bobrovsky struggles and Knight just has to become the starter. But I think most likely we're looking at similar number of starts. Like, look at last year, right? Bobrovsky played 31 games. Maybe he'll go down, you know, so that was like around 50%. Like, it was a 56-game season. I could totally see it being very close to... Of all the teams, actually, I think they're the most likely to me of being 50-50. We'll see. You're talking really positively about Spencer Knight, and there's a lot of reason to be excited for what he might be able to accomplish in the league. He 
had four appearances last year and won four games. But that's the thing to remember. He only had four appearances last year in the regular season, two more in the postseason, 919 in the regular season, 933 in the postseason. So what we saw of him was good. He's almost like, uh, like I feel like the edit he's getting here, Elon, is the same one we sort of give Igor Shostyorkin and saying he doesn't have this huge track record to go by. But from all we've heard about him coming into the league and now seeing, uh, you know, the the little look, the little peek into what Spencer Knight can offer, we're ready to buy in, uh, but not so much that we're like, yeah, he's definitely going to be the number one, definitely going to outplay Bobrowski. It's possible, perhaps even likely, but we're, we can't buy in so much when he's only ever appeared in six NHL games. So I'm very interested to see exactly what he can accomplish in his rookie year in the NHL. I, I would, I'm looking forward to him and Bobrovsky pushing each other and maybe ending up just splitting starts on what's going to be a really, really good Florida team, like you said. Yeah. Okay. The next up, we have New Jersey here. So we have our tier eight is going to be tandems like on less good teams, as opposed to tier seven, which are tandems on like on good teams. But you wanted to move New Jersey here. And it's hard. Like New Jersey is like an interesting team, right? Last year, uh, things didn't go well. Mackenzie Blackwood wasn't that great. Uh, but now they've brought in Jonathan Bernier. So it's a Blackwood and Bernier tandem. New Jersey, you know, they're kind of like LA. They've got a lot of exciting prospects that are slowly but surely coming up. And they've got some high end guys. They got Tatar recently. The, I, the biggest signing, of course, is Dougie Hamilton, who now like, so who knows how he changes the complexion of this team so yeah i'm okay to say that the thing is with blackwood and bernie it's kind of like the leaves like who the heck knows who's gonna like blackwood we thought was gonna be the starter long term but then last year bernie had a really good year on detroit where like you wouldn't expect him to be that good uh so yeah i really right do you have a sense of who's gonna be the starter here i have a strong sense and my sense is that the starter is still Mackenzie blackwood but the Devils don't want him playing more than 50 games in a season. Maybe they don't even want him playing more than 45 games in a season. Uh, remember, and we've recapped this before, that the Devils signed Corey Crawford to be Mackenzie Blackwood's backup going into last season. Because the season before that, Blackwood played well, but struggled when he ended up having to take on a, a large low. So he said, okay, we're going to get Corey Crawford, and he's going to be a really great guy to spell Blackwood and help split start so Blackwood doesn't have to be overworked. And then, of course, uh, Corey Crawford retired instead of playing in New Jersey. And Mackenzie Blackwood was again left on his own to be the only really capable goalie that gave New Jersey a chance to win night in, night out. And I think New Jersey still wants Mackenzie Blackwood at 24 to be their goalie now and for several years into the future. But they know that he does best when his workload is well managed. And that's what Jonathan Bernier is here to do. Whether that means Jonathan Bernier plays 41 games or 35 or 30. We'll wait and see. But what I like about this tandem is that I think Blackwood and Bernier are both above average NHL goalies. And I think they're on a good New Jersey team that should be at least mid-pack defensively. Elon, you mentioned they added Dougie Hamilton, who's not known for his defensive play, but it's kind of like Eric Carlson. When you have the puck, as often as Dougie Hamilton does, and you're as much of a threat offensively with it, well, that's defense in one way. And then you've got Ty Smith is another year older. The Devils acquired Ryan Graves. We've talked about how their top six or even top nine looks pretty solid, like not world beating, but solid. So yeah. don't forget, Heashier was injured a lot last year. Yeah. He's back, like, obviously we have Jack Hughes. And Heashier is a really great, responsible two-way centerman. So that's a big piece coming back. So this is why I have Blackwood and Bernier up in this tier with the Leafs and Florida tandems, even though 
New Jersey isn't going to win as many games as Florida and Toronto. I think their rate stats from Blackwood and Bernier could be competitive with the Toronto and Florida tandems. And their win numbers, I think, are going to be better than the tandems we mentioned in the next tier. Okay, so Brian, let me ask you this. If you're confident that Blackwood is going to play more than Bernier, should we be moving Blackwood up to like the Philip Grubauer tier and then move Bernier down to the Chris Driedger tier? Yeah, I could do that. Sure. Yeah, I don't know. You seem confident. I don't know. I, I guess it makes sense that Blackwood is their goalie of the future, so they might as well try to play him more. And Bernier, Bernier, like, was really good last year. But okay, let's do that. Let's, uh, there, change it, just change it in the spreadsheet on the fly. So, okay, now, by the way, Tier 6 is now Grubauer, Samsonov, Merzlikens, Blackwood, Peterson, Allmark, and Gibson. Now we're in Tier 7, which I said is Sorokin at the top. Uh, then we have the, go- the Toronto goalies, the Florida goalies. Here's another, like, kind of... And then we're ending Tier 7 with another goalie who we don't have both goalies on the team, but I still think he's only going to play around 50% of the games. It's just the other goalie's so bad that I don't want to put him here. But uh, Anton Hudobin... Like, you know, he wasn't that great last year himself, but I think that Dallas tried something they normally don't do, which is making him a starter, and I think they learned that, no, Anton Hudobin is awesome when he plays half the time, and he's not a starter. He's never been a starter in the league. He's always been, like, a really awesome tandem guy or backup, and so I think next year, I don't know what Dallas is doing. They signed Bra- They have Jake Ettinger. He was good, but they decided, no, we need to bring in Braden Holtby, so I assume to start the year even though Ettinger is better than Holpe, they're going to probably have to send Ettinger down because like, when's the last time you've seen an NHL team start the season with three goalies? Like, it never happens. So it's probably going to be Hudobin and Holpe. If they're smart, they'll go 50-50. I think Hudobin's better than Holpe, but I don't think Hudobin is good when he plays a lot. So I guess you kind of have to go 50-50. Hope Holpe's good. If Holpe's bad, maybe they could waive him, send him to the, you know, put him on waivers and then call up Ettinger. And then I think that, then you have a good tandem, right? If Hudobin and Ettinger. So we'll see what happens. Regardless, Hudobin, you know, is on this Dallas team, really strong. Uh, they just brought in Ryan Suter, who should even help even more on defense. Uh, their forwards are great. Like they have a lot of depth all of a sudden with like Jason Robertson breaking out and Hintz and Gurionov, along with like the superstar Sagan's finally back. So I'm excited about Dallas overall. So he can't be any lower. So even after a not great year, we're uh, going to throw Hudobin in here into the high end tandem guys, but I'm not putting Braden Holtby here. Come on. No, no, I don't think Braden Holtby is going to be able to hold up his end of the tandem. I feel like Dallas's plan was to have Holtby and Edinger and get rid of Hudobin at some point this offseason. Uh, but they did not get rid of Hudobin at some point this offseason. And so now things are crowded and awkward in the Dallas crease. Even though I think Hudobin is better than Holtby, it seems like Dallas has been ready to move on from him for a little while now. But he, uh, between he and Holtby, like you said, if Edinger as like would be expected because they can send him down without risking anything. If they, if Edinger is sent down, yeah, I think Hudobin's got pretty good value as the one Dallas goalie that you can really rely on on a Dallas team that looks stronger this year than the team that they sent to the Stanley Cup a couple years back. And that's not just because of Ryan Suter. Uh, in fact, it's not really at all because of Ryan Suter. I mean, they still have a really solid decor. And uh, Jason Robertson has come along since. And that's great news. And Tyler Sagan's healthy. And Alex Radulov is healthy. Touch wood for all of that. But I think there's... Uh, oh, and Rupe Hintz is in the picture too. And Joe Pavelski. Look, there's a lot that Dallas has going for them this season. And I want their starting goalie if it's not Braden Holtby. Yeah. And I want it... Like, I want their starting goalie if it's 
Hudobin, but as long as he doesn't play too much. Like it's re- normally we talk about how we want the goalies that play a lot. Hudobin's never been good when he plays a lot. I want to just have him like to be like a Varlamov, maybe, where just like never more than two games in a row. But anyway, by the way, some interesting uh, comments in the chat here from Fantasy Tidbits. Uh, the Islanders have the most back-to-backs this season, so just more reason to expect Varlamov and Sorokin to split starts. Uh, so 19 back-to-backs, and then apparently Edmonton has the least back-to-backs next season with only nine. So if Mike Smith can earn the job, he could potentially play. Uh, a lot of games so another reason to maybe be into mike smith if if you think he could hold up which we don't need to get back into that again all right so tier eight so actually we've split tier eight into an 8a and 8b because you're getting to this point in the draft it really depends what you're going for so 8a we've got some more tandems we don't know who the starter is going to be but like if you get it right you could have a starter right then we have 8b which are guys who are like pretty much for sure not going to be a starter it's almost guaranteed but they could be like backups that are going to play a lot kind of like a Sorokin except we just wanted to give Sorokin a bump because like his situation is so much better but like so 8a again is going to be lower end tandems then 8b is going to be like high end backups not exactly 50 50 but close to 50 50 so 8a if you want to grab a tandem that's not that great but maybe one of them has a chance to do something for you in Detroit they've got Alex Nedeljkovic and Thomas Grice uh, so Nijelkovic last year was a Calder finalist, was amazing for Colorado. And so they decided, obviously, to give him away for nothing. Uh, just like what they did with Jake Bean. Because I, I don't know, not that Jake Bean was like a Norris finalist, but obviously I just feel like Colorado had a really weird offseason. Uh, but whatever, their loss is Steve Eiserman in Detroit's game. They get Alex Nijelkovic as a really nice tandem partner for Thomas Grice, who had a crazy year last year. He started terribly. And by the end, he was like the top goalie in fantasy for the last like month of the season. He was just getting like shutouts or one goal against pretty much every game so detroit eventually should get better i guess like slowly but surely they're gonna bring in more players who aren't terrible uh they got uh, pew Suter this year they got joe valeno so maybe their center depth will be a little better uh, they have verana who people are excited about obviously they had to trade away mantha to get verana but we'll see so anyways that's a tandem brian you could give your opinion on who will play more because they've been close to 50 50 and then we got san jose who like, you know, they're not good. Like, they're a bad team. Uh, they have Aiden Hill and James Reimer, who are both goalies that we've seen be pretty okay over the last few years. Like, neither of them are, like, goalies I've been scared of starting. And San Jose, the thing with San Jose is I just wonder, like, how bad are they? Like, they've been so bad, but also they've had, I think, the worst goaltending in the league. Like, Martin Jones, his goals against average has gone up every single year. His save percentage has gone down every single year. The last two have been below 900. So I wonder if maybe, like, we just assume now, it's, like, ingrained in our heads, like, no, no, you don't want a San Jose goalie. San Jose, San Jose is terrible. But, like, maybe they were terrible because of their goalies. Maybe Aiden Hill and Reimer are a step up from Dubnik and Martin Jones. So, anyway, that's Tier 8A. Uh, two teams with tandems, and we'll see how they do. Detroit and San Jose. Okay, I'll start with Detroit, where I think I don't have much to add to your analysis. Nadelkovic obviously seems uh, kind of tantalizing as a strong contender for the Calder last year, but maybe he'll get it this season. But it's going to be hard when he's splitting time with Tomasz Grice, which is what I see likely to happen. Although last year, Bernier and Grice were not splitting time because Bernier started running away with the job. And then Grice had a strong spell later in the season. So it's still sort of like washed out to be kind of a a reasonable split when both goalies were healthy that they shared time but 
it wasn't always, you know, one in, one out. It was several in, several out. So just uh, we'll see what happens with Grayson Nadalkovich in Detroit. I'm not overly optimistic that it's going to go particularly well for either of them and that their volume is going to be limited. Uh, but they'll face a lot of shots when they do start. So maybe a decent spot start option in leagues where saves help you. And then in San Jose, yeah, you're asking this chicken or egg question about how 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 can we fairly judge San Jose when Martin Jones couldn't stop a beach ball for so many years and had deflating, no pun intended, that must have been for the team in front of him. And I think that's very nice of you to give San Jose the benefit of the doubt. You did lead by saying San Jose is a bad team. And that's where I'll leave my like, I'll plant my flag and say, I'm not optimistic about San Jose's prospects for this season. I said the same thing last season when it seemed to be a hotter take. And, uh, you know, I have to say, sometimes I get it right. So that's why I'm not super excited about Aiden Hill or James Reimer. I'm especially not excited about Aiden Hill, who a lot of people think is like some up and coming uh, prospect with this big upside. And we just haven't gotten to see a lot of him. No, he's just a guy who has an NHL job is how I see Aiden Hill. He's never shown for any length of time. I mean, he hasn't had a lot of opportunities, but he's never really shown himself to even be an average NHL goalie. To me, he so far looks like an average NHL backup goalie, um, which would seem to potentially leave the door open for James Reimer, who has been consistently inconsistent for years now. The last couple in Carolina were better than uh, the couple that preceded that. So James Reimer is coming off some of his better hockey, but he only played like 20 odd games in each of those two seasons. And we seem to see that when James Reimer gets more work, he loses more steam. So I'm expecting another timeshare in San Jose with Reimer and Hill. And I'm expecting Reimer to do better than Hill with the time that he gets, but I'm still not sure he's going to be someone worth rostering consistently through the season. So you would draft Reimer over Hill if you had to take a San Jose goalie? Yeah. I think I'd go Hale. I don't know. But I, it's funny how you're like, he's just a guy. People think he's like this great goalie. He's just literally he's a guy a like guy. you and me. <laughs> he had good numbers in the AHL with Tucson from what I see. But anyway, whatever. He's never had the chance. So this could be a guy like a Darcy Kemper. Maybe once he has the opportunity. So I, I guess <laughs> yeah, not like Darcy you're, Kemper. Yeah. I, I mean, I just talked about how everyone says this. And now you're proving the point by saying it. Well. I'm just saying I'd like to see. I'd like yeah, to see. If sure. he gets the chance of being a starter, we'll find out. Yeah, I'm so, not I'm not it, saying it's impossible. I'm just saying everyone thinks he's already on the doorstep. Oh. When I don't well, I, don't I don't think, think he is. Uh, like you could get you could say that about anyone. Yeah, let let's see. This is his first opportunity. So I'll give Aiden Hill that. But there's no reason to think that the scales are tipped towards him being uh, a, a great success. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I feel like you're lumping me in now with a group that I'm not in. <laughs> no, I, I, I just good drew numbers. the distinction. Yeah, he's, he had good numbers in the minors. Now let's see if he could do it as a starter in the NHL if he gets the opportunity. So we'll find out. Okay. It's not a sure thing. All right. So 8B, again, these are like backups, but that could be really good when they play and might even play like a decent number of games. So I'll just, I'll just read you. Oh, wait, there's actually one more guy in 8A I didn't mention. So this is a guy that I expect to only play 50% of the games. Again, kind of like uh, Hudobin in the tier before. Like I don't want to name the backup because I don't think that person's worth drafting at all. But I'll bring up Matt Murray here. Who knows, right? Who knows? He might be terrible. <laughs> Who knows? Like, he's a guy that could play a decent number of games. Could be, I don't know, like, Dorian said that he thinks that Ottawa's, like, no longer in the rebuild, and now they're ready to be a good team. So we'll see if that's true, and if Matt Murray's the goalie to lead them to being a good team. So we're throwing him here in 8A. I see him as, like, a low-end tandem guy, similar to a Hill, Reimer, Grice, Nedeljkovic type situation. I'd probably take Nedeljkovic first. Uh, but uh, Murray could have higher upside if he's healthy, 
if he gets back whatever he used to have once upon a time over in Pittsburgh. Okay, so now 8B, once again, we've got our high-end backup. So I'll just read you the list. Chris Drieger, we talked about him before. Uh, he's like, uh, for a second, it looked like he was going to be the starter on Seattle before they realized that Grubauer was available and all of a sudden things changed. Now he's like, looks like a high-ish end backup. Obviously, we'll have to see how good Seattle is. Pavel Francouz, we talked about him before. May, who knows? Maybe he could, like, don't forget Darcy Kemper's injury prone, right? So that could be another reason to uh, be, like, France, like, it's funny to say because Francois just missed a whole season with injury. But if he's healthy and Kemper could get hurt, all of a sudden we know how valuable a starter would be on Colorado. So if Francois is only getting 50% of the games, it might be worth it to grab him. Or even if he's only getting 40% of the games, it might be worth holding if you have room just for that chance that, I guess you don't want to cheer for someone to get hurt. But if it happens, it could be a uh, golden opportunity for Francois. Uh, so Bernier, who we just moved here. Uh, so we already talked about him. Jeremy Swayman. So these are all guys we've talked about before when we talked about their starters. But Swayman, we saw the upside he has with uh, those few games he got last year. He played 10 games at a 945 save percentage with Boston last year. So we'll see what he could do now behind Allmark. Uh, Vitek Vanacek, uh, Kapo Kakinen, Kevin Lankinen. Again, we talked about how Lankinen, who knows, like maybe he could take more starts from Florida than people are expecting. And then we have Antti Ranta here, who's like the ultimate like what if goalie. Like if he was healthy for a whole season, who knows what he can do. But at this point, it's like not going to happen. But when he plays, I don't know. He's probably going to be fine on Carolina. So he's the kind of guy that's like maybe doesn't fit in here. But we used to think he was so good. So he's getting the Gibson treatment. I'm giving Ranta one more year of being in tier 8B before he falls even further. So once again, Brian, to recap, Drieger, Francois, Bernier, Swayman, Vanacek, Kokkinen, Lankinen, and Ranta. Those are our high-end backups. Yeah, and I think they all fit the bill. Drieger, I, I, it's unfortunate because we were looking to see exactly what he could offer after having an amazing season by all measures in Florida last season, taking Sergei Bobrovsky's job, a goalie who they paid $10 million. He just took his job. So I would have loved to see Chris Drieger with a clearer path to starts in Seattle, but I still think he's got a good shot at splitting with Grubauer. I don't see Grubauer totally faltering and leaving the door wide open to Drieger, but let's see. Because Drieger, uh, all he'd need to do is repeat last season's performance, and I'm sure Seattle would be happy to let him run with the crease. Like you said, Francis has a chance to challenge Kemper. Bernier has put up good numbers and is likely to see 30, 35, maybe even 40 starts. Jeremy Swayman can challenge Allmark and put up uh, great numbers in his first NHL Cups of Coffee. Vitek Vanacek here is someone who I, I think is the least likely to challenge for the number one job. He had time last season. He didn't look that great in it he was kind of just like the default option um, you're so I, rude to these guys like to Aiden Hill also it's like he had a 907 save percentage as a rookie like no one expected him to have to play 37 games and he did and he I think he was like quite good like don't he's fine okay yeah he played uh he played a fair bit below like 60 save points behind his expected Fenwick save percentage oh there it is uh, sorry, I said 60 and I meant six. Like, so his expected Fenwick was 947. He had a 941 at five on five. So, um, yeah, that's why. And his five on five save percentage was nothing special at 917. So, like, Vanishek, like, he had an opportunity to show what he had. Yeah, he was a rookie, but he just didn't look that great. And I think Samsonov, remember going into last season, we were gaga over Samsonov. So, if Sams- I feel like, Vanacek might be one of the weakest goalies in this group, and Samsonov might be one of the strongest uh, goalies that they have to contend with to steal starts. Uh, Kapokakinen, yeah. Uh, I mean, I wasn't 
crazy about Cam Talbot. Cam Talbot just has to be okay and he'll be fine. So that makes it a little tricky for Cabo Kalkinen to wiggle in and steal starts. Kevin Lankinen, I think the door will be open for him to start. But of course, Marc-Andre Fleury didn't prolong his career and accept, you know, moving to Chicago and playing there so that he could sit on the bench for probably any more than 35 games. Imagine the tweets from Alan Walsh if uh, Fleury's oh. on the bench and Lankinen is playing. Well, now I'm rooting for it to happen just to see exactly what weapon uh, what weapon is used to depict Fleury's back being stabbed again. I guess it would just be like maybe a bigger sword or a different sword. And then Auntie Ranta, sure. Anderson seems like someone who could be pushed and we'll see if Ranta can stay healthy enough to do it. Yeah. Okay. So next up, we've got tier nine. So now we're into backups who like still, I think, are going to play like a decent number of games. Like, I just don't have any interest in drafting them regardless, even if they play like 40% of the games. Uh, so I'm talking about Jonathan Quick, Braden Holtby, Jake Allen, and Eunice Corposalo. I don't even want it. That's Honestly, it. I could like, <laughs> uh, honestly, like I could like get into these guys, but what is there to say? Like, fine. Quick, Come on. Okay, he was 898 save percentage last year. He's on his way out. Holpe, garbage last year. Like, Dallas is a better team, so maybe he'll be better. Like, I don't know. So we'll see. Maybe Holpe's a good spot start. I don't see him, like, being better than Hudobin. Jake Allen, he's good. He's a good backup. But, like, he's a backup for sure. Uh, like, not ac- an actual threat to uh, Carey Price, I don't think. And Corpus Allo, again, like, last year he played a lot of games. He had played the most games of all of these goalies in this list. So who knows if the new coach in uh, Columbus, who is named something that I know. Brad Larson. Larson. Brad Larson, yeah. So we'll see if Brad Larson likes Corpus Allo enough to play him. But I think Merzlikens is better. But anyways, that's the tier. Tier 9, <laughs> backup goalies who might play a lot. Quick, Holpe, Allen, Corpus Allo. Just to add, Brad Larson is not so new to Columbus. He's been an assistant there for years. So it's not like someone brand new is coming in and giving Corpus Allo Merzlikens a totally fresh look, although maybe that's what he'll elect to do. Uh, but yeah, you mentioned he Corpus Allo saw the most games. And out of these four goalies, I think probably he and Jonathan Quick are have the best chance to play a lot. But if I had to spot start any of these guys, Quick, Holt, B, Allen, or Corposalo, I'd be nervous. The least nervous about Jake Allen, but still uh, somewhat nervous. So uh, yeah, tier nine, uh, we're basically getting into the do not draft territory, which is all the more clear as we get to tier 10, which has just two goldies, which is funny because it's not like we're at tier 10. We don't need to be splitting uh, like so carefully that we only have two goldies in a tier. But Elon, why don't you just go ahead and tell us who they are? Well, tier 10 are who I think going into the year starting goalies for their teams. So we still have two starters. We still have two teams where we haven't talked about a goalie from yet. Generally in fantasy hockey, the rule is you want to have a starting goalie on a team. But these are like, to me, do not draft guys, even though from the projections I'm seeing, these are the starters on Buffalo and Arizona. Believe it or not, Craig Anderson at 40 years old, is going to try to pull a Mike Smith but it's gonna be a lot harder on buffalo than it would be on edmonton and try to like get like he only played four games last year and now i think he's the starter in buffalo because the other option is aaron dell who only played seven games last year so i don't know we'll see what happens over in buffalo like i probably we could debate who will get more starts between anderson and aaron dell but like is it worth it and sure you can say also uko pekka lukanen might play who knows like don't don't even put lukanen through that in a tank year like this let's let him stay in the minors um okay and then in arizona i guess carter hutton 
is the starter. He played 13 times last year. He was terrible. 886 save percentage. Craig Anderson, actually, in his four games was decent. He had 915 save percentage. And I think he played in the playoffs one game for Washington, and he was good then. I, I like Craig Anderson. <laughs> yeah, we, this was in our in our afternoon pre-show chat about, about how we're going to rank our tiers. You're... You're a bigger believer that Craig Anderson can have a good season than I am, and I love. Well, okay, let's I not get too Craig far. Anderson. I, I mean, I think he could have a decent season if he was like on a different team and wasn't having to be a volume starter. Oh, like, okay, I don't think anyone's going to have a good. These are do not draft guys, right? Yeah, but <laughs> even in Washington, yeah. I, yeah, just because he had four good games and one playoff win, none of that. Yeah, like Craig Anderson, I think is is just about finished. I like him as being like a an experienced backup in a safe situation. I don't like him being a starter in a very unsafe situation. Well, I like him as a starter when you're trying to tank. That's perfect. Oh, Same with Carter sure. Hutton. <laughs> yeah, except like he's such a good guy. I wouldn't want to do that to him unless I mean he must know what he's in for, and this is a way for him to keep playing. So way to get that contract, Craig and Carter Hutton. Yeah. Getting an, another turn as a starter, uh, by uh, a team that wants to compete in a tank battle with Carter Hutton's old team. So we've got Craig Anderson, and Carter Hutton, the last starters that we mentioned after naming, what is it? 45 other goalies before getting to these guys as our do not draft starters. Yeah. Okay. So next up tier 11, these are like backups who are like, we're, we have basically two tiers of backups now. The like bad backups and like the really bad backups. Like, I don't want to be harsh, but like, so this next tier are guys that like, maybe I'll spot start depending on who they're playing. So in this list are uh, Casey DeSmith on Pittsburgh, who we've seen have, he had a 912 save percentage last year. He wasn't terrible. And we've seen when Jari struggles, like DeSmith is someone actually who I think of the people in this list has the best chance of getting the most starts next year, depending on how Jari does. But okay, so DeSmith, Alexander Georgiev on the Rangers, Brossois on Vegas, uh, Brian Elliott, who is on Tampa. So probably I'll be excited to try him out when he gets his first game, see how he can do on a much better team than Philly was. Uh, Halak over in Vancouver. Uh, Martin Jones. Okay, I just put Martin Jones here because I'm curious to see what happens. Okay, like after one bad game, I'll throw him to the bottom tier. But for now, I like him a little better than like an Aaron Dell, just because like who knows if in a new situation things like you know before we were talking about like was San Jose bad or was it just the goalies that were bad? But you could flip it the other way, right? And be like maybe Martin Jones isn't as bad and he just was struggling because he was behind this bad San Jose team. So I don't know. I'm giving him a chance in tier 11, <laughs> and then also uh, Miko Miko Koskinen we have here, who's also like really bad, but. uh he also is a guy who potentially could get a decent number of starts. Like if Mike Smith, if Brian's prophecy comes true and Mike Smith doesn't hold up, then all of a sudden Koskinen's getting starts and any goalie getting a start in Edmonton has a decent enough chance to win because you just have to not be absolutely terrible and McDavid's going to score four goals for you to give you a bit of a runway. So that's tier 11. Once again, DeSmith, Georgiev, Brossois, Elliot, Halak, Koskinen, and Martin Jones. Yeah, these are a group of goalies who are not so scary spot starts when they do get starts, which we don't anticipate to be very often. I could see, yeah, Halak or Koskinen or even Jones being one of the GP leaders amongst this group. I guess some people might make an argument for Casey DeSmith, but you know, I think Tristan Jari is going to be just fine. Uh just looking through the list and thinking if I, I mean, Martin Jones, I, I just love you're so eager to excuse either San Jose for being bad. Or, like you want to excuse San Jose and Martin Jones, both. I for love being how you bad. say that. It's like, I have Aiden Hill and James Reimer in the <laughs> low end tandems. And I have here as like, just not the absolute worst backup. So you're like, don't, don't sell me out as like a, a San Jose lover, Martin Jones lover. Well, no, but when you talked about San Jose, you're like, maybe they were just bad because of Martin Jones. Now just we're talking maybe. about Martin, Martin Jones. Maybe yeah. he was just bad because of San Jose. So we'll see. It's also possible that they were 
like San Jose and Martin Jones were both bad because they were bad. And that that's that's my take, but I'm very curious to see if uh if one of yours is correct. Either one maybe, would be yeah. interesting. Maybe um, they just don't have chemistry together. Like maybe they're both good, just not for each other. Yeah. After several <laughs> years it's okay. It's they definitely had a bad possible. marriage. Uh, just because someone gets divorced doesn't mean they're a bad husband they just didn't fit well in that marriage okay yeah so let's wait and see that's very (laughs) philosophical i can't wait to find out all right so let's now do the tier of so like goalies that are even worse than martin jones (laughs) so that's just to tell you what we think of them so we've got aaron dell back up on buffalo Joseph Kajanash, spelled Coronar. Uh, so I guess he's the backup on Arizona. Could easily be the starter on Arizona, right? And Aaron Dell could easily be the starter on Buffalo. Who knows? Uh, Stolars in Anaheim, Vladar in Calgary, David Riddick in Nashville, Anton Forsberg in Ottawa, who, like, I don't know. I think Anton Forsberg could... Like, the thing with Anton Forsberg is that Matt Murray's so injury-prone, and I know there's, like, Gustafsson in the minors who seems like he's better, but I could see a path where Forsberg actually gets some starts. I actually would probably put Forsberg a tier higher, but Brian told me no, so whatever. I wasn't going to argue <laughs> about that. Uh, Vili Husso in St. Louis, who was brutal last year, and Eric Comrie in Winnipeg, who only played one game last year, but now that Laurent Brossois is out of the picture, now Comrie gets to be the guy that barely plays behind Connor Hellebuck. Yeah, and that's probably maybe for Eric Comrie's own good. Eric Comrie is someone who seems like a super great guy. You've read a lot over the past few years about him being waived and traded and traveling here and there and going all like all over the place. His whole career, he's just been tossed around by teams who want him but never actually want to play him. So I'd love to see him step in and succeed in Winnipeg, except for the fact that I think that would just be really difficult because Winnipeg survives night in, night out because of Connor Hellebuck. And if you remove Connor Hellebuck, you're in trouble. And uh, so Eric Comrie would have to be really good for him to have some good numbers in Winnipeg. Uh, I guess the only other goalie that I'll highlight here is Aaron Dell, who I thought in our afternoon chat today had as good a chance uh, as being Buffalo's starter as Craig Anderson, just because Craig Anderson's like, it doesn't mean I believe it all in Aaron Dell. It means I'm just worried about Craig Anderson as a 40 year old taking on a starter's load in Buffalo. I could see them splitting starts at the end of the day. I think it's going to be probably like a win and you're in situation, which means they're just going to so be neither, changing, neither ever plays. <laughs> changing goalies very frequently. But if anyone wins one or two, I think they'll just keep playing them. And I don't think Dell or Anderson, like either one is more likely to do that than the other, but you had a hunch for Anderson. So I'm happy to leave that there. And then the others, yeah, Kojnaj, Stolarz, Vladar, Riddick, Forsberg and Huso. I'm most I'm most curious here about Dan Vladar in Calgary, but I think Markstrom is probably not going to need a whole lot of backing up. Yeah. Okay. So now we're done talking about all the goalies who we expect to be in the NHL next year, except for now we have tier X1, as I've called. We've got a couple of appendices at the end here. So here's a first tier X1, our three goalies who probably won't start the season in the NHL, but I wouldn't be surprised if they do get some starts and then potentially could be really good, like depending on what happens. So these three goalies are number one, Jake Ettinger, who like we said, is unfortunately behind Hudobin and Holtby. So I'd imagine he'll start in the minors, but if one of them gets injured or if Holtby gets waived, like I was saying might happen, uh, then Ettinger could potentially come in and be a starter on Dallas. Like he definitely has that potential. So definitely he's someone to keep an eye on. Uh, Alex Lyon in Carolina, who's never really done anything in the NHL. He's had like long, you know, long career in 
Philly as like the backups backup and like they always have goalie injuries so over the years he's gotten a few starts here and there but uh in Carolina they've got Frederick Anderson and Antti Ranta which are two very injury prone goalies as of late so that's why I wouldn't be surprised actually of all these three goalies I think uh Alex Lyons the goalie who I'm most confident will get at least one start next year we'll see how good he is but I think he'll get in the net at some point and then also this guy Philip Gustafsson on Ottawa who again like Matt Murray is quite injury prone and not that great and then they've got Anton Forsberg who I guess starts the season as a backup but like Philip Gustafsson's actually the goalie of the future in Ottawa from what I've heard last year he actually was really good he played nine games he had a 933 save percentage and won five of them like if people might not remember this and I know we made fun before about how Dorian said that Ottawa is now going to be better. Like, Ottawa actually was good at the end of the year. Like, they, they went on a nice winning stretch. And so, if they could keep that up, like, I don't know. Like, we'll see. Like, Ottawa might not be terrible. I think it would help if they had Gustafsson in their net and not Matt Murray. So, he's another guy I have uh, that I'll definitely be watching and, like, potentially rushing to grab him if he gets called up because of an injury or whatever. Because maybe he gets a run at some starts and we'll see how good he is. Yeah, I think he'd still be dangerous to roster on any given night. I don't think Ottawa's out of the woods enough that you can trust a a rookie goaltender in their crease behind the team that they have. But sure, he could be worth a look. I I would still say maybe instead of this year, he could be more worth more of a serious look two or three years down the road. Uh, Alex Lyon, I agree with you that he is the most likely in this X1 tier to see a start this season or to see several starts just because of the injury proneness of Auntie Ranta and Freddie Anderson ahead of him. But the guy I really want to focus on here is Jake Edinger, who it, it's just crazy that Dallas hasn't made room for him, especially when he came in last season and performed very serviceably with his 9-11 save percentage. Uh, I thought he looked pretty good. Like he looks like at times like a rookie finding his feet and figuring out, you know, how you play in the league. But as a rookie, he played uh, pretty much up to his, well, not pretty much, he played just a smidge over his expected Fenwick save percentage, which to me is a really positive sign. And he's got a really strong pedigree. And I don't know why the Stars have stacked their crease to block him from going up. Uh, If they hadn't stacked their crease to block him from going up, like if Jake Edinger does make the roster heading into opening night, to me, I see him like he could be a tier three, four, or five goalie this season. Well, wow! Yeah, come on! Like Hudobin will get fifty percent of the games. So yes, in all in all likelihood, I don't think Edinger is going to get to run with the job. But for you know, just looking at the the, especially getting to this point of our goalie tiers, if you're looking for upside and somebody who has the potential, and I think before long will be in our top five tiers. I think Jake Edinger is the guy, and I think all he needs is the opportunity. It's just frustrating that he doesn't have a way to get that, an obvious way to get that opportunity in Dallas. But if he does end up starting the majority of his team's games, he's someone, again, yeah, I, I would have up to at least tier five. I'm really excited to see what he can do. I just want him to have a chance to do it. Okay, yeah, fair. Yeah, no, definitely. I don't disagree. If he was the sure starter on Dallas, yeah, like almost any goal who's a sure starter on Dallas is worth <laughs> like being in the top five tiers because that's a really strong team. Yeah, but I don't want to just even put it down but, to but Yeah, but you're saying, like, and he's good. Yeah, more. I'm, I'm just excited to see more of what he has to offer. Like, I would say if Jake Edinger seems, has not been sent down yet as you do your draft, he's not a bad like last pick flyer 
to take. And then, of course, he could get sent down and then you'll swap him out. But if he does make that opening right night roster and get some starts early on in the season, I think he really could distance himself from for sure Holtby and possibly even Hudobin too. Hmm. Okay. I think I'll just agree to disagree. Like, I think he's good, but I think that, like, at least for this last year of uh, Hudobin's contract, I think Hudobin is great. I think Dallas is great at having a 50-50. Like, Hudobin's good when he plays half the games. I don't see why they would just bench Hudobin completely. But I guess it's possible. So, okay. Then we have Because they've been trying to trade him. No. Oh, yeah. If they trade... Oh, okay. If they trade Hudobin, and then it's Ettinger and Holby, then I'm with you 100%. run to Ettinger. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we're on the same page. Uh, tier X2, uh, the second appendix, are injured goalies who might play this year. So just don't forget about them. So number one is Tuka Rask over in Boston. So he's a UFA, but he's said that like if he does play, he wants to play for Boston. He had hip surgery uh, at the end of August. Apparently, he'll be available January or February. So... I mean, we all we all know how good Tuka Rask has been over these past few years. He wasn't, like, so amazing last year. 9-13 save percentage. Obviously, it was a weird season. Uh, we know that he struggled a little bit in general with being away from his family and all that. Anyway, so, and, like, there was, like, some tragedy in his family. So, I don't know. I mean, all that to say, I'm not, like, worried about his numbers from last year. Obviously, I'm more worried about this hip surgery, but hopefully that makes him better and he comes back only when he's ready to go. So, yeah. If he gets called up, obviously, you're going to want to grab Tuka Rask. And he's the type of guy also at the end of your draft or, like, once free agency starts, if he's IR eligible and you have a spot, just grab him and throw him in your IR. And then maybe he comes back just in time for your fantasy playoffs and we'll see what happens. Uh, Okay, then uh, also there's Ben Bishop, who's the fourth goalie now on Dallas that we're talking about. And from what I've seen, like, we don't even know if he's going to play next year. So like, if he does, like, he didn't play all of last year. Before that, he was one of the top goalies in the league. So if he plays, he could be good. But, you know, we'll have to wait and see what happens with Ben Bishop. But just don't forget about him completely. I, I don't even think I'd stash him in my IR. But maybe if you see a Roto World update being like he's, you know, some some update about his health, then maybe you just grab him and stash him just in case. Yeah, the bottom line with Rask and Bishop is if you can stash them long term with no negative impact on your roster and ability to compete until they come and play, go for it. Like you said, I am uh, less inclined to believe Ben Bishop is going to come back and play a meaningful amount of games than I am Tuka Rask. But yeah, if you can spare the space in your IR, then you might as well go for it and get dibs on these guys. And you just want to make sure you're plugged into, uh, you know, NBC Fantasy Edge or whatever uh, source you get your regular daily player updates from. Of course, we'll talk about it on the show when we hear the first signs of Rask and Bishop coming back. Uh, you'll just want to be ready to react pretty quickly. Yeah, you'll hear it on our show. Or if you're a patron of Keeping Carlson, you're in our Discord. Shams is going to be posting that in the general NHL channel. Like, the second the news comes out, he's always right on top of all the NHL news. Uh, so, yeah, with that, Brian, we're done. We've covered 69 goalies. Uh, and that nice. is the list of goalies. Yeah, there it is. Uh, that's our list of goalies going into next year. That's our Schmore goalies board 2021-22. So, uh, I don't know. Think. Should we do a recap here? Do you want me to try a one-breath recap? Yeah. Okay, I don't think it's possible, but I'll try. Okay. Well, how about I'll say the tier here, and then you say the goalie. Okay, go. Tier one. Vasilevsky. Tier two. Hellebuck Leonard. Tier three. Shostrokin Kempersaros. Tier four. Demko Markstrom Fleury. Tier five. Varlamov, Smith, Bennington, Talbot, Price, Hart, Jari Anderson. Tier six. I should say Frederick Anderson, not Craig Anderson, because he's coming later. <gasps> Grubauer, Samsonov, Merzlikens, Blackwood, Peterson, Allmark, Gibson. Tier 7. Sorokin, Campbell, Morozik, Knight, Bobrovsky, Hudobin. Tier 8A. Nadelkovich, Grice, Hill, Reimer, Murray. 8B. Drieger, Francois, Bernier, Swyman, Vanacek, Kokkinen, Lankinen, Ranta. Uh, tier 9. 
Quay Colby, Alan Corpsalo. Tier 10. Anderson Hutton. Tier 11. DeSmith, Georgiev, Brassois, Elliott, Halak, Hoskin, and Jones. Tier 12. Del, Kajanash, Stolarz, Vladar, Riddick, Forsberg, Huso, Comrie. X1. <laughs> Edinger, Lyon, Gustafsson. X2. Rask Bishop. And there it is. So hopefully you enjoyed our Schmorgolisberg episode. Uh, if you did, why not subscribe to Keeping Carlson and get all the episodes that we're going to be pumping out for you leading into your fantasy drafts and for your season. So if you just decided to come listen to Goalies, nah, subscribe. We've got a lot of great stuff coming for you. We're going to be talking to the great Dom Lucision next weekend all about his projections. This is always a fun show we do every year. At some point, we're going to do our show where we look over the Yahoo rankings. Like We're here. We're your source to make sure you're successful in fantasy. So get open your Spotify or your Google podcast, whatever it is. Hit that subscribe. And then you're there with us for the rest of the season. Also, like we mentioned at the top of the show, it's still not too late, depending what day it is. But even if you're, you're too late, still you can sign up because you'll be on the wait list. Get in for the cupful if you can. The Keeping Carlson Ultimate Patriot Fantasy League, we've already got almost 400 people signed up, and we're expecting it to be a really big year for the league. You're going to start in Tier 7. Before you know it, you can work your way up to, like some people who won Tier 6 last year are now in Tier 3 this year, and then if they win, they're going to be in Tier 1 next year. So all of a sudden, you work your way up, and you're like fantasy royalty, one of the best of the best. So you might as well start your journey by going to kakupful.com again that's linked in the show notes kkupfl.com register become a patron of keeping carlson and by the way if you become a patron of keeping carlson you don't only get access to the kakupful you get to join our discord server you get to uh, get our bonus episodes like our, like our patron cast where we answer questions from the patrons we're going to start sharing our show notes every year and we're still thinking of more the, the keeping carlson brain trust is always cranking out more ideas of ways to make it worthwhile for our patrons to give us that five dollars a month to show them how much we appreciate it so if you're interested at all just check out keepingcarlson.com slash patron but okay with that brian i'm ready to wrap this baby up so let's cue the outro music and why don't you go ahead and read us the credits this episode of the keeping carlson fantasy hockey podcast was presented by dabra hockey and powered by our patrons including our super supporters christopher josh tom derek rob and patty thank you so much for your support also shout out to our cupful co-commish team who is about to kick into gear for a very fantastic cupful season logo art by brandonweave.com outro music by pat roach this episode was researched with help from dauber hockey frozen tools dauber prospects natural stat trick evolving hockey cap friendly hockey reference hockey viz hockey database elite prospects and nbc sports edge all right, great job as always. Brian, looking forward to what's coming up next. I think Ben is going to be doing another beat writer interview about the Colorado Avalanche. And then we're going to be back with another episode next Sunday. I believe that's the one with Dom Lucision. So we've got a lot coming. Looking forward to it. I'll talk to you then. I'll talk to you then. And between those times that we talk, Elon, now and then, uh, we encourage everyone to do all you can to make sure that fantasy hockey is for everyone.